Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Hey, hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Glory Days of Gold, your new favourite podcast. I'm Michael McCall. And I'm Lee Gillis. And we've got another packed episode in store for you tonight. We are going to have a lot of Scottish football and East Fife chat, and we're bringing you an excellent, highly enjoyable interview with a, a man that is in that rare group of players at East Fife. He's won a championship with us. And that's Bobby Lynn. And great episode we've got ahead. And we want to just give a big shout out to our sponsors for this episode, Lee. So yeah, Michael, the sponsors for this week are two big advocates to the show. So I want to say a big thank you to Scott Young and John Scott Neal, um, who have been tweeting us pretty regularly, sharing our social media pages and communicating back and forth with us. So we just wanted to say thank you by um, letting them sponsor one of the, the bigger episodes that we've got. And... On top of that, just want to say a massive thank you once more to the T-shirt driver. Now down to our final one. We've got one left. So if you're interested in that, just give us a quick message on our social media feed. Um, or you can send us an email to glorydaysofgold at gmail.com. And also, we should receive the T-shirts. Um, we're recording this on Thursday. We should receive them on Monday the 20th. So I'll look to have them all to everybody by Friday next week. Excellent. Looking forward to, to seeing them. And once you get them, take some photos of yourself wearing them as well and send them in. If you want to take them in some nice exotic places as well, Fourth Road Bridge, something like that, or Rail Bridge, probably more than the Road Bridge, but down the beach, St Andrews, Ely, Leaven, outside the stadium. Just send us some photos and we'll, we'll stick them up on our wall of fame. Yeah, so I know that Lauren Higgins has ordered one, so I said to her that she could be our version of the soccerette, um, to which she told me to F off. So we'll ah. um, maybe not get her to be our soccerette, but yeah, I'm sure Lauren loves herself, so I'm sure that she'll she'll take one from us. Well, see, back in the day, I had had I came up with this great idea of getting a, a young female model to wear all the East Five strips I had, so I could do strips through the years, and one of my my staff at work agreed to do it, but my wife put the kibosh on that idea. So, never <laughs> so I'm just going to go and photograph this girl wearing all these East Fife tops. Yes, yeah, sure you are. Yeah, um, my wife's a photographer, so maybe they arrange that and in some sort of twisted perversion, maybe I could be her assistant that day. Yeah, or just you in the tops. Well, if you'd like to do that, please do me. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's for glory days of gold after dark. Yeah. Glory days of gold, onlyfans.com. Yes. <laughs> but what we like to kick every show off with every week is looking at the East Fife news of the week. And we do have some exciting news to bring you this week because season tickets are now available for the 27-game 
2021 season. A lot of numbers in there. Now that's going to be based on having 13 or 14 home league games. The, the club put the prices up a little bit for the youth season tickets, but on the whole, everything else is still kind of decent price. It's kind of pro rata based on the, the 27-game season. So the adult price is a bargain, £184. Concessions, which is for over 60s, full-time students, disabled, that's going to be £146. Under-16s, as I said, it's gone up. It's a, an increase Gone up to 40 from 20, so you've doubled in price. Still a really good deal, I feel. And for over 80s, it's £20 plus an admin fee. Serving forces personnel as well can also get their season tickets for £25. And I think all in all, great value for money, Lee. Yeah, um, I put it on my, my Twitter feed that my, my season tickets purchased for the season coming up and, and really looking forward to it. Um, obviously, there's going to be the online add-on, so the virtual element um, should the, the season take a little bit of a while to kick in um, if we're not allowed back into the ground. So fans will get access to the live stream on East 5 TV, but UK fans can't just buy that option alone, which makes obviously perfect sense. But yeah, yeah I, th- I think that on the whole, even if it is just a... A 13 game season I still think that that's really reasonably priced considering you know the prices that Falkirk and Partick are, are likely to charge at the gate to get in there yeah I know some folk might complain about the the youth one going up but like the club has to make money and by charging like 20 pounds for a season ticket if you've got limited fans in attendance this sounds like a horrible kind of capitalist capitalistic business thing to say but if you've got limited fans actually paying to get in you need the adult gate money as opposed to the, the kids gate money so I mean it, it makes a lot of sense really. My only concern is that the people that that might exploit that and maybe if the season's not going to start buy a kids ticket for 20 quid and stream the game. That's my only thought process oh, behind that. Do you know I never so, even thought of that although it does no. say you have to show proof but I guess if you've got a kid you can yeah. just buy a ticket I for mean, them. Who, who's to say that I couldn't have just bought one for my daughter at um, 40 quid and then streamed all the games if they weren't going to be available. Now, I wouldn't do that being an upstanding member of the community, Michael, yes. but you know, not, not, not everyone will, will think that way. So I would, personally, I would like to see a caveat on that £40 um, that said, you know, you'll get the EFTV when purchased with an adult ticket. Yes, um, but, that's a great but how, idea. But how do the club realistically do that? I think that if we're not allowed into the ground... I think that even if they charged two quid, you know, the price up high or whatever, um, that the money that we would then gain from the fans coming into the game, rather than, because I, I do fear that we'll get a lot of people that will capitalise on, on that loophole. It genuinely had never even crossed my mind. Um, obviously, I've got away from the Fife way of thinking moving out here. <laughs> yeah, well, but... also being a manager in sales, I need to, to always think of the, the backdoor entrance. No pun yeah. intended. Mm. Yeah, that's that would be an interesting thing. You could always just say that you don't have the add-on at all with the youth tickets, but I guess you could have like a 14, 15-year-old that's then not fair on them if they're just going on their own. Yeah, I mean, you've got to think like the, the young ultras boys, you know, how would that affect them? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's not exactly their fault either, but I still feel that there needs to be a... A caveat on it somewhere. Yeah. And if you're on the fence at all about buying a season ticket, another aspect of it to note is if it is reduced fans in attendance, 
then season ticket holders will get priority. So say we're only allowed to open up to 200, 300. It's only going to be se- well season ticket holders first that would get that the priority for that. So if you want to watch these five this year, that's the way to guarantee that you're going to actually get into the games and see it. But I mean, it's great that, that they've done this. Hopefully the fans will be in attendance because Lee has come up with a, a great new segment that we're going to have in, in the podcast. So you'll probably know what's coming if you follow us on Twitter, but I, I put it out there to our masses of followers on Twitter um, to see whether they would be interested in a sort of East Fife version of you know Arsenal TV where I look to interview a select group of fans before and after the match and get their thoughts on it. We'll have regular regular contributors. We might have guest people come on and talk about their thoughts of the game. But, you know, we want to make this podcast as interactive as possible. We want to get as many of you guys involved. Um, so out of 30 votes, we only had one person said no, that they didn't think it was a good idea. So boo you, whoever you are. Yeah. Um, but everybody else um, seemed pretty interested. The only thing that I will need is someone to record it. Um, so if we're going to be doing this, I would like somebody to come along to record it, probably just on my phone for the, the YouTube channel. Um, so if you can give me a shout on Twitter at LeeG1903 or just message us on one of our social media pages. Already, seven episodes in, we're going to get interns. That's fantastic. Yeah, we'd like to make this point abundantly clear that um, you'll not be paid for this. You'll have to deal with some terrible banter along the way. And I might buy you a pie at the ground if you behave yourself. It's the worst zero-hour contract going, really. But, hey, you get to hang out with Lee. I think that that's a good thing. Yeah. I'd also like, it'd be good if we got a good cross-section of fans that wanted to take part in that as well. So, like, all ages, all sexes, all kind of experience from watching East Five. If you've been a long-time fan, if you're a new fan, I think that would be a, a good mix. If we can get a really good cross-section of the support, we make it all the more interesting. Yeah, definitely. And I think that, you know, when you look at the success of what Arsenal TV had and when I was sort of doing a wee bit of research on it, I never really seen any of the, the lower lowland league teams in Scotland or the, the, the league teams in Scotland, should I say, uh, that had it. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited by it. I think it's something that could take off. Um, and hopefully the club will maybe allocate us a little area in the ground to do it so that when it's peeing with rain in December, they're not standing outside. Oh yeah, there's that as well. Also, if, if it does prove popular, we could even do a video aspect to it as well and stick that up on our YouTube channel, which we don't have anything up on yet. Unfortunately, I haven't had time to, to edit some videos, but I'm hoping in the next week we will get some things up on that. So that'll be Glory Days of Gold on YouTube. Now, last week we talked about the Betfred Cup and it looks like the, the tournament is going to be going ahead, but it does also look like it's going to be optional. That, that was something that was kind of mentioned. I don't know if it was from us or one of the interviews that we had. And I, I was a bit disappointed in that, just because of what East Fife's proud history is of the League Cup. But the good news, though, is East Fife are not going to be one of those teams. Chairman Jim Stevenson, in his most recent chairman's report, had said that East Fife, they're ready to go, looking forward to it. And I'm delighted by that, because if East Fife were one of the teams that didn't take part, I, I'd be very disappointed in that. I think obviously there's a good chance that I will bring in funds for the club. I'm not a fan of the new format, if I do say so myself. I'm not a huge fan of the league format. I did like the traditional format, but I suppose mm-hmm. it means that we would only have to play four for once when we inevitably draw them. So you've got to look at the at the upside. Um, 
we'll wait and see. Um, hopefully, we're not going to get too many off the the bigger clubs. I, I don't want to name any in particular, but hopefully, we've got a good chance of maybe getting a, a Hibs or a Hearts again, or um, one of the Premier League teams would, would be great. But I, I hope that we don't just end up with Diddy teams like Kelly. Yeah. I, I don't want too many of the bigger teams to pull out and there's a danger I guess they could if they're still in Europe or there's fixture congestion or I think it's more going to be the lower league teams that might pull out because they don't feel they can put the games on without fans being in attendance they're going to lose money maybe by putting the games on if they have to travel I guess it wouldn't be great distances because it's kind of regionalised but I, I hope it this isn't a kind of precursor to future seasons and I don't think it will be but I've it's a big bugbear of mine that cup competitions, and especially the League Cup in general, England and Scotland, is just not taken seriously anymore. And to me, it's one of the best competitions there is. We've got a proud history in that competition. I love cup ties. Cup ties midweek under the light is one of the best experiences of, of football that I've had in all my years of watching the game. And East Fife's taking part in it. They might be a little bit behind the eight ball with some of the Premier teams that have got underway earlier, but looks like East Fife are going to be getting back into pre-season training at the end of August. Match day one for the Betfred Cup is scheduled for October 6th, with the transfer window closing the day before that, which is going to be kind of interesting as well. But, I mean, all in all, I think it's a it's a fantastic opportunity for us to get back on the pitch and just show what we can do. Yeah, I think that we, we did pretty well in the competition last year. And look, let's be honest, if there's a, going to be bigger teams dropping out of it, then hopefully it could maybe give us an extended run in it. So we, we could wait and see, but I'm not entirely sure how much of that would come with an asterisk if we did do well, because I don't want it to look like, oh, we've only done well because a lot of the bigger teams have pulled out. So we'll wait and see. Yeah, that kind of crossed my mind as well. Another thing that was in Jim Stevenson's newsletter mentioned that the club are going to be getting back into pre-season training. It's going to start initially at Orium in Edinburgh at the end of August. All players and staff, though, are going to be tested for COVID once a week. And Stevenson said that the club feels that, quote, it will be a logistical nightmare for part-time clubs, but there really isn't any alternative. But the cost of that, just trying to get the players to test... It's a lot for these part-time clubs to, to be looking to do. At least it's only once a week and not twice like I thought it might possibly be, but it's still, it is going to, to be hard to kind of pull all this together. Um, my only thought process on that is, is say for example, you play for East Kilbride or you play for East Stirlingshire. Are they going to have to be footing the bill for that as well? Or is it only if you're a league club? I would think the individual clubs are going to have to foot the bill, which is going to to be a lot, unless the governing leagues come up with a, a system. I think this 50,000 that was getting given to, to all the clubs, but obviously that is league clubs, but the 50,000 that's getting given to all the clubs, I think was to go towards paying for some of the, the COVID measures and stuff. But obviously that doesn't go to clubs like East Kilbride. Although looking at the way that they're splashing their cash about, I really don't think that they're going to be short of money. No, it's not my point that I was trying to make. I think the point I was trying to make is, is if you're a, a, a player right now, and I mean, from what I've heard from, from family members that um, have had coronavirus and stuff, the, the test is a horrendous ordeal. Yeah. 
if you're, for example, you look at Paul Payton, um, who's signed for East Kilbride, or Greg Wilde that's signed for East Stirlingshire, would you go, right, okay, if I go to the Lowland League, but after messing I'm getting tested, I'll make just as good, if not better oh, money. okay. I'll not have camel treks up to Elgin or Stranraer or any of these sort of things midweek and have to take an afternoon off, off my work. It's no wonder that players will make that decision to go Lowland League. I, I can't see, though, any professional, semi-professional team being able to be allowed on the pitch, though, if they're not doing the testing. I think if, if clubs say they can't do the testing, maybe there will be no non-league football next year. Well, if you look at Fort and Hibs, for example, have just joined the Scottish Football Pyramid. Yeah. How, how are they going to afford to do COVID testing? Not every club has the, the, the yeah. funds in which to do so. So are they going to have a delayed start or do they start at the same time but don't have to go through the same measures? I think they'd have to go. Like, you can't have anyone... Like, if, if these measures are in place for everyone's safety, you can't then have a, a group of people not going through those measures. Well, on the flip side of that, again, I'm back at my work now and I work in retail. So I could be at my work serving a couple of hundred people a day at the public, I could go and watch these five on Saturday. A player could come across the turnstile, I could pat him on the back or mm. do a shoulder dunt with him or whatever, but I won't be tested. They will. It just seems... Yeah. Counterintuitive. That's an interesting one. Because, like, out, out here, the, this kind of the second tier of North American football, the USL, they've started back in the States and they're allowing some fans into games, which, considering what's happening in America just now, is batshit crazy. But it was meant to be that if they were in at the games, they were socially distant and they were wearing masks. But then people were sitting down and not wearing masks. And there was a photo that was doing the rounds of a guy taking a throw-in. And he's right back to take the throw-in at the board. And there's two people sitting right there with no masks on. And he's just, like, within two feet, if that, maybe even less... So I guess the same thing could happen at, at a game, yeah. I mean, they, they obviously made mandatory in Scotland that you wear a face mask in, in shopping places from Monday. The amount of people that i seen were walking with a face mask below their nose. Oh, and yeah. I, and I was just like, you know, the, the best analogy that I could think of for it was like, you know, poking holes in your condom and putting it on. Seems like a, a pretty daft way around it. Yeah, they do that here as well. It drives me absolutely nuts. That's going to be interesting because this might mean that lower lower league football, so the non-league stuff, might not get underway then until next year. Well, I know that if I'm a, a league club, I would be wanting to. Make, I would be saying, well, they shouldn't be getting to get away with it if we're having a football. Yep. But equally, you then got to worry about the financial implications on the the teams that can't afford that. So it's just a bit crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess we'll just have to, to wait and see what happens with that. That's certainly going to be a, an interesting thing. A lot of things I hadn't even thought about there. But let's get back to more footballing matters and on-pitch matters. And we mentioned last week that Josh McConville and Liam Newton had been promoted to the first team squad from the U20s. We said last week we didn't know too much about them. So we got in touch with the best man who does. He's five boss, Darren Young. And here's what he had to tell us about them. 
delighted to get the young Josh McConville and, and Liam Newton uh, promoted from last year. Uh, both young players have, have come in and did well. They did well in training, they've did well in their own games and um, that's the kind of pathway we've, we've kind of had with them. They've come in and they, they do well for the, the team to start off with. They, they've been in a couple of training sessions, they've done well. Uh, we managed to get them uh, in and get, get them involved in the first team as well. So it's been it's been great to get them up and it, and it kind of shows uh, after a season already it's, it's kind of paying off or kind of working for us. And it's now up to the boys. Uh, I spoke to them both the other day and they've been keeping themselves right, looking forward to pre-season. So... Um, great to get them on board and it's, it's a great opportunity um, you've just kind of got to look at like a uh, big Anton Dowd is, is going to come in and from a kind of lower level done very very well for himself and, and but looks like by all accounts he's, he's going to maybe go full time now and, and that's all down to how, how well he's he's done himself personally looked after himself and again he's done well when he's been given the opportunity we've kind of felt we arrested him at the right times um, and now it looks like he's got a a chance to go and pick a, the pick from a few teams. So, uh, delighted for Big Anton. Uh, and it's, it's something for these two young guys to kind of look up to. And, and the guys that are left in the 20s as well. There's a few others who did very well. They also have a, an opportunity. And they've just kind of got to look and say, well, do you want that, that pathway is there for us? Uh, if we do well, then there's no reason why these guys can't possibly come up um, and be the next the next guys to come up and improve and progress through the through the ranks. So Dan Young there, just telling us a, a little bit about Josh McConville and Liam Newton. Yeah, I think he seems pretty excited by the, the prospect of the young boys. And like I said last week, I think that really it's, it's, it's down to his hard work and, and, and Tony McMinn as well, that you know they've they seen the, the vision for the younger boys coming through. And you know these boys have went on to, to make Scotland debuts at the level that they're at. So fair play to them. I'm excited to see them at Bayview next season. And hopefully we can maybe even get them on the show to, to see what it's like to take their, their first steps up. Yeah, I mean, it's always exciting when you're seeing one of your own guys, one of your homegrown guys coming through the ranks. And it's something we talked about before, so we won't go into it in a lot of detail again. But we, we haven't really had that for years. And you don't want to put pressure on, on these guys, but they seem very highly thought of. And as you said, they've already, already represented Scotland internationally. But... It would just be a great story to have like some of the local guys just doing well and cheering them on on the pitch and hopefully the first of many. Let's hope so. There was a few of the youth boys made their, their debuts and, and Dan touched on it in his episode. So no, I'm, I'm excited by that. Obviously on the downside of that, I'm, I'm quite concerned um, that there's, it's all seemed to go on quiet with, with Anton Dowd. So I think that it looks like he's on his way, let's let's yeah. be honest. There was a few murmurs on the Pine Bovril forum that that he might already have signed a deal. A lot of the speculation is he might be staying in our division. Yeah, I've seen, I seen that as well. Um, for all for those of you that, that use um, Pine Bovril, it looks like it's Falkirk. Um, I, I'll be honest with you, I'd, I'd hope that it wouldn't be the Rovers, but equally I don't want to see him playing against us as well. But yeah, could have been worse. It could have been Kelly. Yep, and it, it gives him the chance, I would say, if he does go there, to, to play full-time football 
but still be at a good level to help develop him and test him. Because if he'd gone up to championship level, he's a good player. Is he ready for that level? Possibly. Is he ready for that level week in, week out? Maybe. But would he get the same development if he's maybe not starting every game or playing every game that he would in League One? So I think it does make sense for him to maybe stay in League One. But certainly disappointing that, that he's going to a big rival and... Yeah, I mean, we, we saw we saw it with Fash going to, to Falkirk as well. He didn't really get a great shake of it there. So, I mean, who knows what's going to happen with Anton? Well, obviously, different managers and stuff there now and different division. Let's see how Anton gets on. And look, at, if he does go, he goes by our best wishes. You know, we've said it on the the show before that, you know, we wouldn't grudge anybody really going for, for full-time football. And I don't know if you know this, but I mean, I think Anton's dad's, a pretty well-off guy by all accounts. Um, I think he's pretty high up. I think it's in Deloitte. Um, oh. So I, I, I don't think that um, he's, he's going to Falkirk for the money. I think that he's, yeah. he'll purely be going to develop his career. And, and fair play to him, you know, we can't we can't take that away with him. I think that really now we've got to look at the, the loan market most likely to see if we're going to manage to get anyone in. We had Jamie Gullen last year at, at Rafe Rovers. Hopefully they don't snap him back up and that's maybe the sort of player that we could go in for. I'd quite like to see him in the black and gold. Apart from that, I think that signing anybody is going to be tough. We've, I've spoken already about some of the, the Lowland League players that are or the players that are dropping out of Lowland League and Danny Denham came away with an absolutely fantastic tweet yesterday saying that his CV isn't good enough now to get into the Lowland League. So it's... I'll be, I'll be honest, I'm concerned with the amount of players that are, are dropping down there. I mean, that's Ross Perry, formerly a Rangers, now playing centre-back at Darville. I mean, who aren't even in the, the Lowland League. You've got Greg Wilde, formerly a Rangers, now dropping down to play for East Stirling. You've got, like I said, Paul Payton at East Kilbride and the, the Callum Higginbotham at Kelty. So it's crazy that you, you just see these big names. And if it's never been abundantly clear to anybody before that I think that players are realising now that if you're not going to cut it at full time you're as well as dropping it part time and making uh, taking the money and Paul McManus said that on our, our first interview and it looks like a lot of people are going do you want to know what that's absolutely bang on and taking their chance Yeah I I'm, I have a lot of concerns about it though not just for, for players dropping out the football league but there's a lot of clubs splashing money about and only one club, as we talked about, might go up and even that's not a guarantee because they then have to get past the Highland League team. Then they have to get through a playoff with the bottom place team unless there's some kind of, of league reconstruction going forward. So a lot of these teams seem to be putting all their eggs in a basket right now. How sustainable is that? Are we going to see another Gretna situation going forward? I mean, we saw it with Belingri here. It's like you put all that money in, you don't get... I mean, that was even more farcical because they couldn't get into the, the Football League. So, I mean, it's like, well, why, why are you spending all that money when you this is as high as you're really going to go? But, I mean, it's not even just those teams. I have was talking to someone this week, Queen's Park, now that they've moved from being amateur, they're really starting to, to splash the cash and bring some players in. So, I mean, clubs are, are spending money and, yeah, I don't know who we get to replace Ant and Dowds. I do want it to be a guy that's got some kind of proven track record in the lower leagues, but then every single club would love that. And they're not ten a penny. 
No, I mean, I would love to get somebody like Mitch Meganson from, from Cove, yeah. but, you know, you, Paul said that he's on a great deal at Cove, yeah. plus he got a job with a guy that runs Cove, so you're never going to get somebody like that. And Paul McManus is a free agent now. Yeah, I half expect him to end up at Glenrothes, to be honest. Yeah, I think that, I think Paul, with all due respect to Glenrothes, um, has still got some life left in him at a, a club where he can make some money. So I, I think we'll likely see Paul at a, a long league club or maybe even League Two. But, you know, could we, we could probably do worse than Paul, yeah. even at the stage that he's in. Um, you know, he's, he's proven what he could do and he keeps himself really fit. So it might be an option for us, but maybe it might be a wee bit too expensive for, for what we're looking for just now. Yeah, I think he would probably get a better deal elsewhere. It's whether he wants to go for the better deal or whether he wants to come back to, to East Fife for his 12th stint at the club. <laughs> More clubs than Tiger Woods, Paul. Yeah. So finally in this part, the final part of our East Fife news is sadly some sad news because another East Fife legend has passed away. Former manager and player Pat Quinn passed away this week on Tuesday. He was aged 84. He played most of his career with Motherwell and Hibs, but he started off with Albion Rovers. He was one of those players in the 50s. A, a lot of the English clubs, Sunderland and Blackpool, took a lot of Scottish guys down. He went down with Blackpool, had a stint there. Was capped four times for Scotland. Ended his playing career with East Fife. He joined East Fife in 1969. Became player manager in 1970 when Bill Baxter was sacked. And he guided East Fife back to the top flight for the first time in 13 seasons in that 1970-71 season. But after a, a tough start to the 73-74 season, he was let go. East Fife was sadly relegated that season. That was our last little kind of foray into the, the top flight. But Pat Quinn, absolute legend, did so well with the club back then. And he came back to, to Bayview in 2013 with that promotion winning squad. And he got a great standing ovation. And it's just a, another sad loss to the East Fife folklore. Best in peace, Pat, and, and obviously we send our condolences to, to, to Pat's family. So, ladies, gentlemen, and children of all ages, we've got another new section to bring to you, which we're going to call Have You Heard? So, Michael and I, you probably guessed, have been friends for a long time, and aside of East Fife, one of the things that we bonded over was our loving music. We've been in many, many gigs together, The Killers, we've been to see Franz Ferdinand, and more than one occasion seen Franz Ferdinand, actually. So we wanted to uh, bring to you some some local bands or just some bands that we love. So this week we're going to bring to you a Fife band called uh, Sunstinger. Now, Sunstinger, you may have heard of. They're doing pretty well for themselves, comprised of Taylor Wright, Scott Gourley, Bill Anderson. And Bill Anderson, formerly the bassist of Sargent. You've got Taylor Wright, who is the lead singer of the Rioteers, if you could remember them from back in the day. So we're going to bring their new song to you which is called Shimmer. So give it a listen and give them a follow on Twitter and tweet us and let us know what you think. Here's Sunstinger.
So that was Sunstinger with their great new single, Shimmer. A lot of Joy Division, editors, Jesus and Mary Chain sort of vibes to it. But I think that really for, for these sort of bands to be coming out of Fife, it, it gives me that sense of pride. And, and these guys are very proud of their Fife roots. You'll remember how, how daft I was on Sargent back in yeah. the day. It's great, to, it's great to see Bill from Sargent going on and, and, and being successful with another band. And I've, I've got a good feeling about Sunstinger. I think they've got the potential to go a long way. I had not heard of them in, until you, you sent the, the link along to me. And I've been a little bit kind of removed from the, the Fife music scene for the last couple of years. But like back in the day, back when AFTN was a printed fanzine, we had a, a pull-out section called Ultracore which was all about the, the Fife music scene. So I got to know lots of bands back in the sort of early 90s and still friends with a, a lot of those guys today. Some of them are still going, so we might even bring you some old Fife band stuff in this as well. But I really like that. Touch of Jesus and Mary Chain to me with the kind of drum noise and more clear vocals in the Jesus and Mary Chain. But all in all, I really like that single and I'm going to check out some more of their stuff and we recommend that you do as well. I'm also excited to tell you that in the next few weeks, we're going to have a song from our very own East Fife fan, uh, Phil Charletta, um, who's let me hear a little snippet of his new song, which sounds absolutely excellent. So we're going to get Phil on for a bit of a chat to talk us through about the EP that he's going to release. Phil's also been a, a very big advocate of the show, and it'll be good to, to repay that uh, favour to him since he's been um, so supportive of us. So. Yeah, keep your eye out. Um, Phil's also on Twitter with his, his new venture, so it's PG Charletta if you want to find him there too. And if there's any listeners that are in bands or you've got friends or family members that's in bands, like get in touch with us, send us a link, we'll have a look over that. It doesn't have to be five bands, it'd be ideal if it was because we'd love to promote the five music scene that I've always felt just never gets that a great shake of, of things, but things are so different now. There's some better venues now and I mean, we, we used to go and watch stuff at the Rothes Halls and they don't seem to have that many gigs on now, but at least Alhambra's getting lots of stuff. And yeah, let, let's really promote Fife in all aspects of it. Football, music, whatever. That's what we're here for. But enough of the music chat. Let's get back to football now and our feature interview for this week. And it's with a man that made 165 appearances with East Fife from 2007 to 2012. 38 goals for the Fife. Started life with Dundee, then Peterhead, Morton, came to us initially in loan, stayed for a few seasons, left for Belingry, least said about that the better, and has spent the last seven seasons and counting with Arbroath, where he scored 68 goals and 226 appearances. He's a legend of lower league Scottish football. Grab your favourite hot beverage, a chocolate digestive, sit back and enjoy a chat with Bobby Lynn. So absolutely delighted now to introduce a man that has been mentioned so many times in the show so far in stories and people's all-time East Fife 11s, both supporters and players. So thanks for coming on, Bobby. Yeah, as I say, it's took a wee bit, uh, it took a few weeks to get onto the show, um, just with commitments with kids and, and everything that's going on at the moment. I just hope you could appreciate it. There's a couple of times I cancelled, but um, I managed to get myself on tonight. Um, 
I listened to Paul McManus and it was really good. I like stuff like that. I like um, I like stuff that's, that gets aired about the lower leagues and, and you get to hear the ins and outs of how players, how their day-to-day life goes with working and you're playing and, and what success you get in football and obviously the stories that come with it as well. Aye, I mean it's an area of the Scottish game, and like you've you've spent your your career in it, and we don't need to tell you this and the folk that's listening, but it's just it's so overlooked in the mainstream media. It's got better, and then you've got things like View from the Terrace or on TV now, which is like great because it's it's opening up the lower leagues to to wider audiences. But I just love the chance to, I mean, lockdown's been perfect for this. It's a chance to sit down and just like have in depth interviews that. Folk have always been so busy. This has just been a perfect time to do it. Yeah, I think I think like so these things, the podcast um, go hand in hand with kind of what's happened with lockdown. Um, a lot of people are sitting at home looking for something to do. When I, when I heard about this and I'd listened to Paul McMass, I was really intrigued to hear it. I got messages from like so Doogie, and it brought a lot of the older guys um, that were played together back together through the messages. Going, oh, do you remember that? I can't believe he says that. I can't believe he says this. So. The, the banter's always there. Um, the banter's always there. But again, going back to lockdown, there's no football. It was quite bleak at one point. Um, and, 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 and obviously with things like this and you're hearing boys coming on and chatting, it could be an inspiration to people, especially supporters. So they always they always um, like to know the ins and outs of what's going on. But um, I'm happy to talk about whatever you want to talk about in the time I've been at the club and, and whatnot. Well, I'm excited by that because when I messaged you, Bob, the first thing you said is, I've got some stories to tell you, mate. So I've I've got a funny feeling that this will be a great one yeah. for the fans. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd, we've been we've been looking forward to this one, and it, it's like I I know, but we'll come to this later. But it's like I know you still get stick from from these five fans, but it's like you're still very highly thought of at, at Bayview, and well, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about your career. We'll talk about what what you're currently doing. It just everything like that. I mean, like we start off asking everyone usually like how the lockdown has been for them but I take it you were probably working all the way through yeah we've um we've worked the whole way through it there was a period when it was at its peak where for social distancing measures we were um we were getting like three days off every two weeks um but now that I maybe got that maybe twice and now we're kind of back in every day just soldiering on through it so in a sense for me that's that's kept me going because there's no football, um, and if I didn't work as well, because I know some guys haven't been at football and not working as well, it could have a, a pretty negative effect on your on your mental state. That it really can. Um, and 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 when you when you have such a hectic a hectic lifestyle, um, routine wise, with working and training and with kids and schools and things like that, and that gets taken away, um, it does become become a bit disillusioned of what's going on. But um, I think now there is a bit of light at the end of the tunnel and everybody's starting to try and get back into some sort of routine. Um, so so things are looking a lot better now. But for me, as I say, um, I've kept busy with work, but um, I've kept doing my training throughout anyway. I've always kind of looked after myself in that way. So, But for others, again, it's, it's a bit more difficult for others who maybe don't play football and, and are off work at the moment. So it's a difficult time. It has been a difficult time for a lot of people. Yeah, because I mean, football by its very nature, it's a social game. It's like for the fans, for the players, you've got the locker rooms, everything like that. It's something over here, like when this first started, all the conference calls, the teams were talking about what they were doing for, for players' mental health. 
And it's easy for the Premier teams, but for part-time clubs and part-time players, it's certainly been a lot more difficult, I imagine. Yeah, well, we say about mental health. I played with Kevin Fotheringham for a few years, so I'm, I'm, I feel I'm doing all right with that. Because he wasn't easy to play with, I'll tell you. <laughs> so I managed all right with him, so this is a piece of cake to play with him, I'll tell you that. I, his name keeps cropping up quite a bit in these so far. So He's a scary guy. He's a scary guy. He's, he's actually a good friend of mine, but he is a scary guy. I've got one story about him if I go further in. Cool. But, um, he's, a, he's a scary guy. But um, Now, as I say, every, you're talking about football's all about fans. You're watching the football at the moment and the English, uh, the, the German league. It's not quite the same, is it? Um, it's not quite the same. Even your Saturdays, if you go to watch a team, you guys go watch East Fife and it's just not the same um, not being able to watch your team. Maybe even at one point in this season, you might need to watch from a live, a live link or whatever. And it's just not going to be the same as going to the game, the feel for the game, the build-up and work towards the game. Um, it's the same for us as players. It's a, bit, it's a strange feeling at the moment. You could be training all week yourself, but there's nothing to be doing it on Saturday where you're used to a game. So just trying to keep your mind focused and, and, and just remember that in the next few months, well, hopefully, hopefully everybody stays safe and well and we can get back to normality again. Yeah. Well, let's talk about your your love of the game. It's like when when did you first realise that you had the talent that you could play at the pro level? Um, I was quite a late starter. I started playing football when I was eleven year old. So um, it was a friend that took me up to a team called Drybra Athletic, and I got into. I think I'd always play. I'd always have a ball at my feet. I'd always kick it about, but probably wasn't sure about joining a team. But eventually, I went into a team, and I think from that age. From that age to probably about 17, 18, wow, like it just everything just kind of went before me in terms of it was three nights a week. I was training at Aberdeen, Dundee United, and Dundee. Um, then I went played in a couple of tournaments with Dundee, and then there was talks about possibly going down to Stockport and Bolton for week trials. And there was a lot going on at such a young age. Um, I eventually signed with Dundee, I'd left school um, a few months earlier and went full time there. And that was just a whirlwind in the time that I was there. Um, but within a year, I was in the first team. Um, I'd scored goals. Um, I played quite a few games. And like say with Doogie Cameron and things like that, they were, they were in the same team, but just a bit older. So I think back then, it was a lot happened quite quick. And um, I think now I'm older and mature, I could look back at that and realise that maybe it did happen a bit too soon for me in terms of getting into the team that quick. So sometimes... That should be where the hard work should start at maybe 16, 17, when you get into these situations with first teams and training or even one session. For me, I maybe took my foot off the pedal and thought that that was me. Um, and I could be honestly say that now. I probably had that mindset and um, complacency creeped in and it, and it does catch up on you. So now when I look back, listen, if I had the same mindset now as I did back then, it would be a lot. It would be different, but... Um, that's just speaking from my experience from then. I mean, who did you go and watch? Like, did you get to many games as a fan, or like, who was your footballing yeah, idol? It, would, that... it was. It was. It always goes back to Henrik Larsson. It was always Henrik Larsson. Um, I grew up um, watching Celtic. Um, I come from that kind of background, and, and it was just a player that I just admired um, so much within Scotland, within the game, the whole world. Even from when he left Celtic, he went to Manchester United and Barcelona. And, 
even maybe me growing up a bit more and you see what he done at these clubs. But um for me he was he was my idol. He was and he was um he, everything you look at the way he carried himself in the Scottish game, interviews, um the goals against Rangers were always good. But um no, nah, it, it was always him at last and for me. You always just wanted to be him. That was the cel- I actually still do a celebration like him now and I'm thirty four, so <laughs> There you go. So you obviously started your career with, with Dundee, then you went yeah. to Peterhead, more, and we want to talk to you um, about East Fife. So your first chance at us came around on loan from mm-hmm. Morton. How, how did that move come about? I pushed for that move. So what happened was it didn't quite work out with Morton. Um, the first six months was okay. We won the league. And then I just, there was limited chances there. Um, I felt I was still at a young age. A year before, I was flying up at Peterhead. So, obviously, the old pals were Big J and, and boys like that. And, and they were on the phone. Doogie were on the phone trying to get me to come if I could try and sort something. Morton were trying to get me swap deals at Breakin and things like that. But I always wanted to go to East Fife. I spoke to Becky about it. I eventually got him to talk to Jim McNally. My man is to sort it. I think it was about October time I came in. In the title winning season, I came in October time. Um, so at that, I could remember, I think it was, we played St Johnston on the Tuesday night with Morton, and I think we lost that 3-1. And I think by the Thursday or the Friday, it was done to go and go on loan to East Fife until Christmas time, well, the 1st of January. And so that was done fairly quick. And then on the Saturday, it was a case of meeting everybody at the jury's, lot, jury's in, is it? The pot of beer, because usually Aye. a pot of beans and beans on toast, that's what we got for pre-match and the jury's in. So it was it all happened quite quick, but I went into that side, I knew a lot of people, I knew Bakey, um, there was a few friends in that team. So it was quite easy to settle in, but like guys like Stephen Tweed, Kevin Fallenham, were experienced guys and they knew, they knew the, the, the type of player I was coming in and I knew what type of team that the boys were. And I knew that it wasn't a case of just coming straight into the team. Um, obviously I had to work hard because the boys were even flying at that point but um, if I could remember right I'm sure I came on my first game and scored against Albion Rovers at, my, at, at Bayview so that obviously settled me a bit but that's how the move came about There's always a sort of uncertainty with loan deals mm-hmm. and players obviously really want to impress their parent club so were you still training with Morton during the week or were you just solely training these five? It was a strange one <laughs> I think in the in the deal it was a case of we'll get up. Morton would come up and play a few friendlies, and the first one we played, I played three five and scored against them. So <laughs> I went just I just went a wee bit sour towards the end at Morton, and there was there was a few players I played at Morton where they left like that. But as I say, I'm thankful for my time at the club. But I knew probably about a month in that I was wanting to join East Fife and look to yeah. come part time and get back playing and enjoying it again. I still had two years left on my contract. I knew that the club were wanting us that early on. I spoke. To, to Bakey and, and Wally Gray um, at length about coming in and I think even the deal was pretty much sorted by November um, but we had to wait until the window yeah. opened to do that But and that became permanent but I think when I looked at it and when I'd come in and started to play and I started, Bakey told me how to work hard but I knew that I would get a chance to come in and play and I started to play games and um, I started to get confidence back playing I thought I'd I formed a good partnership with Paul McManus um, and we really kicked on. Um, so it was difficult to leave the full-time environment, but it was an easy choice to, to come into the, to the team I was playing in because that side was a great side. 
and we got yeah, it done relatively quick. It was it was all done fairly quick, and, and that was it. It was an East Fife player. So I take it it was a, a pretty mutual thing from Mort, and they were happy to sort of say, right, happy. "Love you to go." Yeah, um, they were happy. I think they, they just maybe wanted a wee bit compensated, but I, um, I think they got that, and then we got. I think it was a fee, but I don't think it was. I think it was ten grand or something like that. So that that's what was sorted um, between the clubs, and then that was me, East Fife player, and that's where the fun began. <laughs> I mean, I remember that season really, really well, and yeah. you know, I've I mentioned that in a, a previous episode where my, my outstanding memory of that is the Player of the Year dance, and uh, I, I obviously sent you the the video yesterday oh just to, just to the to refresh your memory. <laughs> so, for our listeners who maybe don't know what that is, um, we'll potentially share the link for that. Bobby, you can't see him right now, but it's bright red. Oh um, and him and uh, Johnny Smart decided that they thought it would be a good idea to, I think it was Joe's band that we're on, yeah. um, hi, hijack the stage and yeah. do a rendition of all these things I've done by the killers. <laughs> um, I say rendition very, very lightly. Um, it's awful, but you know, it's, it's terrible. Like, <laughs> there's there's two videos up there. Like it's on it's on YouTube AFTN website. Search for that. They did another song as well. Off the top of my head, I can't mind what it was, but there was two songs they did. It was Coldplay. It was Coldplay. That was it. Yeah, it was Coldplay. Um, I'm actually surprised you remember that. <laughs> that night I was absolutely bolted, and I think we all were. Um, yeah. Obviously, it was an excellent season. Um, we had the Player of the Year awards. We knew we were going to Magaluf. And um, listen, I've got a good voice. I've got a really good voice. But that night, I just think there was too many, um, too many nips and pints just kind of went against me that night. But um, I think me and Jay tried to do a, an up-to-date version a few years back and it was on Twitter. I think that was a lot better, but um, I don't think I'll ever get away from that. That's one thing everybody gives me pelters about. A lot of people send me that. That, that'll follow you forever. Um, it was it was honestly brilliant. Um, I spoke about it in a, a previous episode. We ended up, you, you ended up obviously mixing with the fans and stuff that night at the Player of the yeah. Year dance. And there's a photo somewhere, and there's me in the middle, and Jay on one side, and you another, and he's are feeding me champagne at the league the league cup. And honestly, see see that night, I'll yeah. have to admit this maybe. How long ago was that? 2008? 12, 12 years, years later. Yeah. Uh, well, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I was absolutely hammered and my mum and dad were there. And yeah. uh, I ended up stealing a bottle of vodka for behind the bar. <laughs> <laughs> I think we did that as well. And yeah. I think, <laughs> if I could remember right, I think we stole one. Me, Jonathan, Div Muir, McManus and Greenhill. We went to the wee bus stop around the road and we're drinking it straight, taking shots about at the bus stop. <laughs> At the bus stop around the corner from the town hall or wherever it was you were. Yeah, uh, it was. It was a, it was um, a brilliant night. Big J was yeah. good on the Big J loves playing the guitar. He's very good at it. So on that video, J gets a lot of plaudits because how well he done the guitar. But I think I ruined it. I think I ruined that. Eh? I, I, I still think it's great. The thing that ruins it is like because I, I, I it was me that videoed it. I don't know what's up with the lighting. It's like you're just like in a big yellow kind of haze. It's no, like it was bizarre. Like, it was my voice. It was my voice. 100%. <laughs> you don't need to sugarcoat it. It was my voice. 
I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll spare your blushes anymore, Bob. So yeah, okay. your 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 spare uh, your spell last sorry was fairly prolific. Um, 165 appearances, 38 mm. goals. Yeah. Um, obviously we won the league that year, a record-breaking yeah. season. Um, as a as a Celtic man, you'd be delighted mm-hmm. to know that even when the Rangers were in that league, then um, uh, yeah. they couldn't beat us. So, mm-hmm. um, what what were your highlights of that season then? Um, well, at the time we come in, the boys were were flying anyway. Um, there was a few games that we had. I think like when you played Stranraer, Montrose teams that were a bit closer, although we were a, but we were a fair bit ahead of the teams. They just had that extra spice that um, there was a thing that went on obviously with the Stranraer thing and the Kevin Fotherham thing and that. So that added a bit to it. But even Montrose as well, there were teams, although we were quite comfortable, so they just added an extra bit of spice to the game. So for, for me, the, I think the, the key thing for me that season was consistency as a team. No, when, when we won the league, I think the last six games we just just done what we like. Do you know what I mean? I don't think the boys stopped drinking after that, but leading up to the to winning the title, I thought the boys were were very consistent and I feel the game that sticks out is the East Stirling game, the game that we actually won it. I think um, when you look at that game and you look at the, the, what we had to do to that day to win the league and you look at the first half that we had, um, we actually blew them away. And it, and it was just from the, the solid side that we'd been playing all season. And uh, it wasn't an easy place to go and play, believe me. Um, the whole day, going into the dressing rooms, um, the pitch, it was tight. It could be a bit of a difficult day, but boys like McManus, Doogie Cameron, uh, Big G at the back, you had great experience and players that had that will to win. And you just knew you were confident. You just knew you would get that. Um, I set up McManus twice that day. I don't know if he told you about that, but... He would never have scored the goals if it wasn't for me. So, yeah. You did. You did make his team, Bobby. You did make his team. Uh, I would like to think so, because he's he's not making my team. He's not in my team. <laughs> oh, he'll be spitting teeth. Um, I'll, but I'll probably have a WhatsApp right now. Hold on. A second. <laughs> no, it's all right. It's all right. He's no message. He's no well, message. I- I asked Bobby and um, asked Paul for a story about you, but he couldn't think of one, and neither could Div Muir. So you've been really? you've been spared you've been spared big time here. Really? Um, yeah. I've got a good one about Paul. Even better. I think yeah. Div's memories, though, he can't remember much from his time. He was drunk oh, most of his stories. I've got one about Div as well. I'll tell you that as well. I'm just going to tell you, but the Paul McManus one's funny. I'm sure the boys that are listening to this doogie that will have a wee chuckle at this one. Well, let's go for it. Yeah, let's, let's get to the stories. Right, it was pre-season. We were training up at some school in, in Methyl. Methyl, would it, be, would it be leaving high school? or? I'll probably be like... Um, might be Kirkland. Kirkland. You drive in and it's got a big grass area on your left. And then you yeah, yeah. around the back area. So we were training there um, in Bakey. There's no filter by Bakey. Bakey was quite quite a hard kind of gaffer where he was he was straight up and would tell you how it is. But um, there was one day he wasn't really particularly happy with the running and that from the boys so he, he wasn't like to, he wasn't one to say right just running another 10 times to go right wrap it let's go we'll go into games so as him and Mel and the assistant were pulling the goals to, to set them up McManus has just got a ball there's, there's a group of me McManus Devin Muir Greenhill and boys like that McManus I'm going to hit the gaffer here we're like you can't hit the gaffer no chance you'll hit the gaffer <laughs> he just took a wee touch of the ball and he has just zinged this ball Oh my God, 
it has just skimmed above the gaffer's head, <laughs> smashed the post, and he just threw the goal down. And he says, right, who the fuck was that? Somebody's going to get a punch in the bus. <laughs> Everybody's just like, just looking at the ground and that, and, and, and he came over and he was furious. And after that, we kind of knew that we had to kind of tone it down a bit that day. And then <laughs> there was a wee bit of a mentality shift as well from that because he was, he was quite a tough guy to, once he got going. But if he, if he hit him that day, Paul McManus probably wouldn't be here today. He probably wouldn't be here today, honestly, if he hit him. But um, McManus has done that a few times, done it to West. I don't know, Lee, if you would have been at the game. It was a home game, and remember Wesley, the goalie coach? Aye, aye. And Paul's... <laughs> we're warming up, and Paul's just went and hit one that's hit him right in the face. <laughs> and he just turns, and that's what happens when that happens. You'll see a player, as a fan looking, you'll see a player just turning. Where the fuck was that? But he, he broke his nose, eh? <laughs> so he came in, he was furious as hell. So McManus has got things out in him, but... Um, the Bakey one sticks out. That was funny at saying. I always remember his face. He was furious. He was livid. I mean, Bakey, I mean, did great for us, but it, obviously he had a spell at Cowden Beef where mm. he had a set to with That's the, right, I know. The, the boy's dad in the back. Yeah, the dad, But see, see, when you're with the Bakey, he's, he's, so, he's a nice guy. He's chill. Yeah. He's, he's not like an overly aggressive guy. Even when he drinks, he's, he's laid back. He was a good manager. I really liked playing under him. Um, it was unfortunate the way it turned out for him, but listen, nobody could take away a league title that he's brought to the club. No, definitely not. And I mean, we've won three in our history, obviously the most recent one with, with Gary Naismith. So he was only the yeah. second manager to ever win a league title. Us. So yeah. um, we're going to ask you a phone in the back of that for a wee bit of closure. Yeah. And the reason what we need closure on, Bobby, is yeah. the now infamous fingers up the arses. <laughs> um, conversation that happened in Peterhead. Right, so okay. we've, he- we've heard Div's version, we've yeah. heard Paul's version. What, what was Div's version? Div's version said that Paul told it fairly accurately. Yeah. So. Okay. So could you could you tell the story back to me? <laughs> just once to, upon, just a, once upon a time in a little right. <laughs> a little fishing village in the north of Scotland. <laughs> Up <in> Peterhead. Uh, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> yeah. And long and short it was, everybody was on the pitch and all of a sudden, Jay sticks his <laughs> fingers up his arse and wraps them up somebody's nose. We don't know who the somebody is. Yep. Our guess is Paul McManus. Okay. Then, the, apparently Jay, like a wee schoolgirl, ran into the changing rooms and sat down and pretended to read the programme. Yeah. Said player then arrived about 10 minutes later Grabbed Jay and proceeded to stick. Yeah, who stood on the pitch and and had rigorously I, fingered his yeah. <laughs> Ten minutes. Yeah, and then stuck I mean, them right up Jay's nostrils. Yeah, yeah, that person went on to do that. I'm quite. I think everybody in the world knows who that was, because the boy that done it was telling you the story. <laughs> he was buzzing with it, and. He would love that because it's about him, so that's why he told you that story. Because McManus loves all that, but um, no, it was Paul McManus. But we got beat that day, and that did not go down well. Yeah, not good. What was your um, thoughts on Bakey's statement after the game? Because when when we first got told that by Paul, I was actually crying with laughter. (laughs) You've just just lost, right? 
um, things probably weren't going great at the time as well. Um, there's ways ways you could word things after games, but like <laughs> you've got fucking guys running about with their fingers up their ass, putting them in people's noses. <laughs> what the fuck's going on? <laughs> I'm sitting on the top, like that, covering my mouth. And the worst person to look at is Jay, because Jay is just, he's just one of these guys. And he's just looking at me up. And he's got this expression on his face, and I wasn't even looking at McManus, but like you're doing that, you could hear people sniggering. And he just, he just it's the way he was saying it. Um, he, he couldn't really have said it any other way. He, he said it perfectly, but everybody was creasing. And when he eventually did go out, I mean, the dressing room was in laughter. And you just lost, I think it was 2-1 or 2-0. Um, that was a, that was funny that day. That was a funny day that. I've never, I've got to say this, in every year I've played football, in every dressing room I've been in, I've never seen anything like that before. <laughs> McManus is just an animal. He is, he's an animal. He's a disgrace. I can just picture the, the Peterhead players sitting in their dressing room Hearing all this laughter after you getting beat, going, "What the fuck? Why are they laughing? What's going on? If only they knew, you know. If only they knew." But listen, as, as daft as it sounds, that was kind of the camaraderie of the dressing room that we had. There was a good atmosphere. We really did have that togetherness. There was times where we struggled on the pitch, but the good thing was about that team. The team spirit was great, and we things like nights out and things like that. The boys always went to them. The only thing was. After a night out, I would get a taxi home back to Dundee, and that was a major problem because I think I've lost probably two or three grand in taxis in the, in the space of the four years I was at East Fife and taxis home. The boys just they couldn't have stopped me doing it. Like We went to the PFA, me, Jay and Div. We went to the Corinthian after it, my bagging that was in the hotel, and I could remember, I always remember this. And they were, I was I was drunk, and I says, right, lads, that's me away home. And they're like, right, no problem. They've obviously just thought, he's away to the room, but I can remember going to the Corinthian taxi, jumped in the taxi, Dundee, please, mate. Say, <laughs> Dundee, I'll be £140. He says, just take me Dundee, mate. And I got him to stop off at Cumbernauld Services, got a wee bit of food, and then fell asleep and told him to wake me up when we got to the Swallow Hotel. So I got home about half six in the morning, um, and that was me back in Dundee, no bag. I even used to do that when I stayed in Glasgow with Morton. I don't know why I used to do it. They just couldn't stop me. I just kept going, kept going home. Must just be something though. It's just like wanting home comforts and just. I don't know. Then it just it just became the norm. The boys would just say, "Just let them go." I used to do it all the time. I don't know why. We need to ask then. You you can't phone a taxi from a ferry in the middle of the North Sea, Bobby. Um, so. <laughs> What can you tell us about the Air United ferry incident? <laughs> yeah, I wish I did try to get a taxi that day. That was <laughs> that was um that was a trip. that was a good trip that we went to Newcastle in Ireland. I didn't know it was in Newcastle in Ireland until we got there. Um Molly Gray and that was kicking about it was it was a good time to be at the club, you know what I mean? It was good good crack with nights out. I could remember that, um but coming home was a shambles. Was a shambles. We were there by the, representing the club. Air United were there. Um, we're kicking about. I've got my jeans on, a shirt, and some trainers. And just remember the boat swaying and just looking at the boys, and we're all 
heavy in and it was a bit chaotic, it was. And looking back now, it probably wasn't the best thing for us to do professionally, but listen, we just went with um, we were sitting eating some food and I think it was Lloyd Young and somebody else. They were eating a curry, tikka masala or something and some, who was it now? Who was it he was sitting with? Could have been Jay. I can't really remember who it was, but they threw a bit at him. <laughs> and he picked up his container and threw the whole container and the person ducked and it had a family. And it had a family, a mum and dad and their kids. <laughs> and then it was just a case of the boys were that drunk, like it turned into a, a proper food fight. Um, by the time we got we got stopped, we got pulled um, off the off the boat. The police came on the boat and asked for names and we said we were Air United, and I think it made the paper and that as well. So that was a bit chaotic. Boys are steaming, giving different names, giving Michael Moffat's name, and fucking remember it well. Fucking remember it well. I didn't remember it until, like, when we were putting the questions together, Lee put it in his, and I was like, what was that? Then he sent me the link, and then I was like, oh, I remember. I had just not long moved here, and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I miss back home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was, that was another one. That was, that, was, um, that was a bit chaotic, but yeah, that was... Yeah, I remember that, and when it made the paper, that was when things kind of hit the fan a bit, because the club were not happy with that at all. I, I can uh, I can imagine. I mean, the the stories we've heard from that kind of time period, the names that keep cropping up are like Fozzie and Gary Greenhill as mm-hmm. being two. Try to pick my words nicely. Two of the crazier guys. Div Muir said it was a, a locker room of psychopaths. Was his exact description of it? Yeah, I would. I think that's a fair assumption. Uh, the boys. I mean, if I go through it, you've got. So you had Jay, right? You had Jay and Doogie and myself. I would say characters. You had McManus, Greenhill. Greenhill was a funny guy. Um, Dev, Dev was, to start with, Dev was a younger lad, but when he came through and he started to do well and he started to come at his shell, he was, he was one of the boys. And uh, then you had the likes of Stephen Tweed, <laughs> who we would just absolutely slaughter. <laughs> he was like, but he was, a, and he was, he was a big part of the team, but. We were, we were on a team night out in Glasgow, and this was this Tweedy for you. We went into a Chinese to eat. Um, we, that was an older boys. Mum, we're going to get some food. No, Mum, we'll get on the tank. No, we're going to get some food before we go. Right, okay, Tweedy. So we went in, and just as we went in, he starts, <laughs> he starts speaking Chinese to the, the waitress, and the boys are like, what are you doing? He turned around, he's like, sorry, I thought I was in China there, boy. Sorry, I used to play in China. I used to love all that sort of thing. <laughs> so... I think by the time we finished his sentence, we'd walked out and left him because that just wasn't for us. But um, he used to love all that sort of thing. He'd come into the dressing room after a game and he'd have his, he used to play at Duesburg. He used to put his till flat out so you'd see the badge and he'd get his cell dry on his till and he'd want people to go, did you play in Germany, Tweedy? So we all used to go up and ask him and that. But um, it was it was good fun and, and, and it was part of the pattern at the time. But... Um, a lot of characters in the team as well. So um, I probably said Greenhill was one of them, but Diggy Cameron was up there. He's done a few funny things. Sure, you remember what he done, Lee, yeah? There was a few rumours. Uh, the one I remember about Diggy Cameron, who, by the way, is one of my favourite players at East Fife, yeah. and I'm, I really hope that we get him on at some stage. We had the song, Diggy Cameron, Diggy, Diggy Cameron, Diggy Cameron, and it was, he gave an interview 
uh, I'm sure it was East Fife, and they're like, "What's your favourite website?" And he's like, "Redtube.com." Yeah. And and they printed it in the program without actually checking what the, the website what was. was. Yeah. So then we then we added that into the song. We're like, "He's porno site." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, great lads, a good friend of mine, um, and he was he was a great player for the club. Um, he was nobody could take away the way he was for the club, and he was committed. Um, he enjoyed his time there. I think he's actually waiting to go and hang his boots up this season. But um, what a character! Really nice guy, honest. Um, he'll give his whack every week. But I remember a player of the year awards. Do you remember after a game we were upstairs where you could get into the the lounge and you could look onto the pitch? Nice. And he stripped naked and run out, run down the stand and done a lap of the pitch naked. Do you remember that? Oh, no, I do remember that. <laughs> I we maybe blocked upstairs. it from memory. We were all upstairs. <laughs> I think we were waiting to go to the awards or the awards were happening in the club. Doogie, I've seen him do this at the PFA as well. Like where he's in a lift and he'll come downstairs and opens and he's got no gear on. <laughs> and you've got players from all over Scotland kicking about in the foyer and Doogie's kicking about like that. He is a madman. But he done that, he's five, I always remember that, he'd run down the stand and he just does a wee lap of the pitch, he does this silly run and he was a character, I always remember that. From being over here and like talking to guys over here, it's a, it's a very different mindset of footballers in North America to, to Scottish guys. Although they always talk about a good locker room, you never get these kind of stories. Have you noticed though, that as the years have gone on, the locker rooms, it's totally different now and these kind of things, you just don't get these kind of things anymore? I think, like, I would probably say, going back to that period, you had a lot of older, experienced guys maybe just going out the game that that were probably a bit wild and, and they liked that part and, and they were characters. Um, I think now, you tend to, I think now some dressing rooms are maybe too too intense, too serious. Um, I think you need that camaraderie. I think at the club I'm at now at Arbroath, we've got a manager that's, oh my God, he is just he is just an absolute riot at Campbell. Um every training session. I've I've played him for four years now and I'm honestly the next team talk we do, I do not know what he's gonna say. And that's <laughs> that's what makes him iconic and he's one he's he's the best manager I've worked under, um, without doubt. He he encourages nowadays a lot of managers are by the book and stay away from alcohol and keep fit and eat well, keep hydrated. Dick's more of he's got a formula that works and, 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 and that's team spirit and belief and he installs it into him he's got great man management skills he encourages nights out he encourages the boys to spend time go out and we'll maybe go up to big Robert Douglas's house we'll maybe go out a night out with them um, we've actually been on holiday with them a few times so he encourages that and I feel it helps I feel there's not enough of that as much nowadays compared to what back in the day um mm. And, and and probably, I would say, similar to my time at East Fife, there was a lot of night outs. And, and what you notice about a good team spirit and a good dressing room is when the amount of players that turn up to these night outs. And it was always a full squad when we went, um, when we were at East Fife. And it's the same at the club I'm at now. Aye, I guess that's a good indicator. <laughs> that, like, Dick Campbell is a guy, he's always been linked to getting the East Fife job. And he, mm-hmm. we've never, ever pulled the trigger on him for whatever mm-hmm. reason. Some of it, it's always been said, maybe he didn't want to come, he didn't like what was happening, yeah. or it was the, the club's choice. But you, you think of what he's done with our growth, and we're jumping a bit ahead, but I may as well talk about this now. When mm-hmm. you look 
you look at like our growth and what they've done, and like you were pushing for the playoffs this season, and you, yeah. you weren't there as also Rand. You were like there as genuine promotion contenders. Yeah, I would think genuine contenders to be in amongst it. Um, the thing is, I've been there for a long time. Um, I started out there, and uh, things were, were okay the first season, and then the next two seasons weren't as good. He come in, he saw, he, he steadied the ship. We stayed up in League Two. Um, and then from there, he just he had a summer where he transformed it. He used some of the players that he managed to bring in. Um, he brought some of his old contacts at Forfa. Good players at that level. We managed to pick Forfa to the league. And the only way you're looking is up then, because he gives you that belief. And I think the whole club's been transformed with him. It's not just a case on the pitch. I've noticed with him and his brother, things like, that, like the, the corporate side of things, hospitality, things around the town, community stuff, everything as a club. He's transformed the club. Um, we then get to the playoffs of the League One and we'll miss out. We got beat from Dumbarton and he doesn't stop there. He brings the likes of Jason Thompson and, and Darren Jameson. You're, you're taking players from your rivals mm-hmm. that, that are big players. We then felt we, were, we cruised the league after, after that season, the League One. But we really kicked on that season. I thought we were a right good side. And I think you guys could speak the same. You know a lot of the players that's in our team. And I think there's a lot of talent in that team. And I think, again, the belief was there going into the the championship. But the thing that we felt we had to do was get that first win. And we managed to do that quite early on against Alloa. We went on a game of maybe six, seven games we were won after that. We managed to beat Dundee United away, beat their 100% home record. And we've some great results up at Partick Thistle. Um, against Dunfermline and it just gives you confidence and then you go into games with a belief that, that it's incredible how it could change after three years that you're going to places like Berwick thinking this is a tough game we're going to be in for a fight but then you can go to Dundee United and the mentality changes and that's through the manager the belief that he gives you um, and, and and he just lets us go and play and I feel this season it's, it's, it's a bit hard done by the way it ended but at the end of the day we've, we've officially finished fifth and, and nobody could argue with that. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at like Aloha, Aloha as a part-time team, I would say they are punching above your weight. As I said, you guys are like properly contending. But you look at how Scottish football's now changed and I think it's going to be a much more level playing field for our growth and part-time teams now because I, there's not the money going to be there. There's going to be a lot of teams that maybe reconsider what they do and go part-time. So... This coming season, I think you guys have a really good chance. I think obviously with what's happened, I'm seeing I'm staying in Dundee, so I see a lot of chat about what's happening up at Dundee and there seems to be a lot of payoffs and pay cuts. Mm. Um you see you see Dunferman getting rid of a lot of players, a lot of these full time teams. When I look at it and I, I think from an outsider looking at it, we've kept our gaffers re signed everyone. We've got the same team, probably the same nucleus that we've had from the League Two season as well, which helps. Um, but there was a couple of loan signings that went back but you've got the belief in the manager to go and pull out a wee master stroke and he always pulls a couple in every season so the belief's there in him to go and do that I'm, I'm sure they'll be working hard to try and kick on but the positive thing for us as a club is that there is chat of getting players in whereas maybe others like the Queen itself things like that, there's more chat about where they're getting the money to keep the players Aye. that they've got so it's, it's just a case of um, the, the club's been run well. I mean, they were paying us for a month and a half, 100% wages before the furlough. Uh, things so that 
I think that speaks volumes of the club and the guys that are running the club. So we, we've got to be thankful for that and we'll need to give something back. But on the pitch, I'm sure we've gave them enough memories. Yeah, I mean, when we look at memories and you look at your time at East Fife, on the pitch, the memories are like you, Paul McManus. Off the pitch, it's just like the friendship that you had with Smarty. I mean, talk a wee bit about that. How long have, have you known him? Did you, you, I take it you knew him before you went yeah. to, to the fight? Yeah, me and Jonathan um, with Mutual for a, lot of, a number of years. Um, we drew, we're from the same area. We drew very close growing up. Probably the same, same sort of upbringing, being from the same area. Um, we, we crossed paths and with the football side of things, he used to look after me a bit especially with playing-wise, and then when we played together, it just became a strong bond. He's still one of my best friends today. I was actually at his house about a month ago. I went up one Sunday. I was um, drinking pink Parma Violet gin, so I thought I'd give him a phone. And I went up to his house, and we went to the shop, and we got our bottles of 2020 and whatnot. And we FaceTimed uh, Paul, Paul McManus. We were on FaceTime McManus, and even that, how many years on, that you could still do that. He was, I think we were doing his head and he was, he was in the bath, he was saying, he was like, yeah, I'll phone you back later and all that, but we actually phoned uh, Dick Campbell that night as well on the FaceTime. <laughs> and because uh, Dick tried to sign Jonathan a few years ago, well, a few years after with East Fife, from East Fife, and Jonathan rejected him, so there's been a few, and there's no love lost there, and there's been a few <laughs> hearts words said over the years. Me and Jonathan's been in a Magaluf and we've met up with Dick and that, but... Uh, it's kind of banter now, but um, he gave him a FaceTime and he did say, what the fuck do you two want? <laughs> he says, there's that big cunt that never came, never signed to me and he's never kicked the ball again. <laughs> so, <laughs> he could have he could have not answered the phone, he could have, do you know what I mean? So he was, yeah, it speaks volumes of the manager the way he is, yeah. but um, just wee things like that, that you can do that within the game. While lockdown's on, you could phone the manager. Um, similar to like of a bakey. Lee's heard about a story when we're on a night out and we called Bakey, but um, I'm sure you'll get to that, Lee. I'm sure you'll get to that. But Big Jonathan, um, still a good friend of mine, and I know that he loved the club, and I know the fans loved him. But again, going back to what he done for the club, like he won a PFA with the club. Um, and by myself, I've won a PFA, I've managed to win two, but the one that he won, I've won as well. So there's a lot in common being from the same area and the way that we are. And, and, and obviously that was, a, that was a privilege to win that. And I know that Jonathan, how much how he feels about winning it. Um, so it's just good to have that in common with your, with your friend. Yeah. I mean, so many folk, when we've done the all-time 11s, played with, you've been named by, I think, everyone so far in, in the team. So, I mean... We're gonna we'll come to your best eleven at the end because that's how we always finish all this. But who who do you feel was the best player that you actually played with at East Fife? Just the one individual guy who who came in at the team and you were like, yeah, that, I love this guy playing with him. Oh, it's the it's best Paul McManus. It's Paul McManus. Oh, it's Paul McManus, hands down. Um, the reason being, I knew Paul McManus not personally, but um, I knew what he can do, and when I signed, um. I think when I'd signed, the manager dropped and changed a bit. And then eventually when I come in, he played me just off Paul. And I feel to this day that's the best partnership I've ever had with any player throughout my career was with Paul. There was a lot of games. There was assists, there was goals. Um, there was a lot of creativity in there. And I think I spoke to Paul and Paul says quite similar as well. Um, 
when you've got a good friendship with somebody off the pitch, it definitely helps on the pitch. But yeah. for me, he was at that time he was he was clinical, he was deadly. Um, I probably never met a striker as deadly as him back then. And even as he got older, he still had that about him. But back then he was deadly, and you knew you would if you got a chance that he would he would score. And you knew you had a chance when you put him in the team. That's your main striker. You knew you had a chance in any game to go and win. So. I think we were on the same wavelength in terms of going forward. Big J needs to get a mention as well. Big J was formidable for the club at the back, especially that season, the amount of goals he got. But me just being a forward player, I feel the connection I had with Manus was was definitely, um, yeah, it was electric at times. That that season, you know, I said that in the Paul episode, just watching every time that I felt you got the ball, I could always just see, just looking up to find out where Paul was. Mm-hmm. I think that's massively telling mm-hmm. to see that he, you know, you both picked each other as as the best players you've played with. So that's great to know. I've got mm-hmm. to ask you, obviously, being a, a Dundee boy and and growing up in Dundee. Yeah. I mean, I know, I know you were a Celtic fan, but did you always grow up, you know, wanting to play for Blingray? Listen, I've been a Blingray <laughs> fan all my life. <laughs> <laughs> you want to know what, right? The Blingery one, see again, looking back now, right, I had my reasons for doing it. Um, I've got a family and um, financially it helped me. Um, about 500 reasons, I believe. To, to, <laughs> to where I'm at today, but I knew quite early on that I'd made a mistake. I knew quite early on I'd made the mistake going there. Um, we had to just go with it. I actually tried to get out at Christmas time. Paul Sheeran contacted me and tried to get me on it. He wanted to sign me in. Bolingley wanted some crazy amounts of money but he says look we'll just get you on a pre-contract so I knew in the long term I was going to be going after that season but that was just the right off our season I got a few messages from a few pros that I played with and a few guys that looked after us and they didn't agree with it but you just explain and, and then they, they, they understand but um, no it was probably a year I wasted in my, in my football but the the big thing for me from that was there's a lot of question marks over you making that move. I think from a lot of guys within the game. And two years after, so I went to our growth and the year after was when I won the PFA. So that was refreshing for me to win that, to, to feel right, I've still got that. And then the belief in it, you just kick on. But as a professional and playing the professional game for the years I have, I think a lot of the boys will speak rats, um, Alan Ratley, Doogie, Jade, I think they'll all say the same. Um, it was probably a bit of fun more than anything, but um, I'm just glad that I did have enough time after that that I can kick on and, and get a few more years where I could create some memories and enjoy it again. I mean, anybody that watched your Furries Five knows that you were you were a top player. Surely there was bigger clubs interested in you. Know, well, in fact, I, I didn't care who I insulted Blangery now because it didn't even exist. But, you know, like there was, I mean, I know that Rovers were in for you at that point. Wraith had spoke to John McGlynn. He was in, in Magaluf when I spoke to him. They wanted me to go full-time. There was Alois. I met Paul Hartley in the Swallow Hotel. Um, there was Dundee. spoke to Barry Smith just when they, they were in the defiant season. So we couldn't use money, uh, spend any money until they'd come out of that. There was... There was contact made with the club. Um, John Robertson, Gordon Jury had had a few offers throughout the time they were there and I was quite happy to stay on. But um, I felt at the time when I left it was probably the right time to go. But again, I'm, I'm, I'm a lot maturer as a person now and as a player to what I was back then. 
So I could understand a lot of frustrations um, probably in that last season that went on. But when I, I look back at him, I could, could you put it to bed now? I don't know if it'll get put to bed now. There's been a lot of tongue-in-cheek as the years have went on. But first things first, I won a league at East Fife. So that, that's something that I'll always have. That's a memory that I'll always remember. Um, and I had that, I won that league with some of my best friends in that, in that team. You guys, you see the delight on you guys' face. You guys all sit in pubs to this day talking about that. We were part of that. I was part of that. I enjoyed my time at East Fife. I met some good people along the way. I still speak to the directors when we see each other, when we play each other. So there's no malice from me in terms of the way I left the club. I could understand the frustration we leaving the club and then where I went to completely. Could, could completely understand that. At the time, I probably didn't justify why you'd done that, but I think now looking back, it was just... It's a decision I made. We all need to make decisions. It may not be the right one, but it's a decision that had to be made, and it was. But that doesn't take away my time um, from East Fife. Not at all. Not at all. I think we talked about this on an earlier show as well. Like as fans, we don't really fully appreciate the fact that you're playing part time. It's like you have got a family. It's like if someone, like in my job, if someone said, "Look, we're going to give you all this money," you'd you'd bite your hand off at it. It's I think we don't fully appreciate that. I think it's got better now and people do understand it. And like when people mm-hmm. nowadays say Kelty, I guess, are the new Belingri in five, it's like when, when yeah. teams, when players are signing for, <laughs> Lee hates Kelty, <laughs> but when players are signing for those teams, I totally get it. Like at first I didn't, but I, I, as you get older, I think you fully come to understand it. Yeah, I feel, I feel I had to make that decision at the time. I made that decision but again, as I'm saying to you, quite early on into it, it doesn't, it isn't the be all and end all, that sort of move. And you think, well, this is it, this is great because it was, it was a difficult period. It, it wasn't a time where I enjoyed my football. You were going to training. Um, you sometimes get six boys at training. I'm not used to that. And you're used to high standards. And winning two leagues before that were, well, winning a promotion with Peterhead, a league with Morton and then a league with Fife, mm. and then going there to that was difficult. You're going in games on a Saturday where there's no linesman. All these things come into it. Um, I mean, playing a game on a Saturday in a league game where you've got one ref but no linesman. I don't know how that works. Um, little things like that, that I never knew before I signed. Um, the training facilities wasn't great. I could always remember getting a message from an East Fife fan. I think it was, we were playing Kelty Hearts at home at Ord Park and uh, East Fife were playing at Ibrox in uh, the, one of the Cups. And it was, I hope you enjoy your day today while we're at Ibrox. But I don't mind that sort of thing. But when you look back now and you see, you can, you know the frustrations and what they mean by it. Because sometimes you take it personal, but they could actually be looking out for you in terms of your career and saying, well, this is what you could have been doing. Do you know what I mean? So that's just criticism, constructive criticism that happens. It comes. Um, you need to accept it. But maybe at the time, at times things have maybe been taken personally and then there's been that back and forward with the club. But um, I enjoy coming back to East Fife. I do enjoy it. I've scored a few times. I've scored a few times. But I do enjoy coming back and seeing a few old friends. I still have got friends there. So I do enjoy that. Uh, you like to give us it tight when you score as well. No, listen, listen, I've done that <laughs> and that was quite early on, if you remember the free yeah. I've not any Since that, I've not done anything. I've just kept uh, it subtle. If you're getting I, abuse, I think, it's like, yeah, no, we deserve 100%. it. 
I was kind of, I was thinking that guy from the, the, the stand from years ago was going to come out and grab me from the last time the Cowden Beast game. <laughs> but what was that? Not, that was the game, do you remember, we'd, we'd lost 3-1 and the fan was arguing with the fan after the game. Is that the same guy that went for Hesse? It could have been. Aye, could I've, have got, been. I've got memories but of that. listen, yeah. anybody can go for Hesse, even I've went for Hesse. <laughs> even I've went I went can... for Hesse. I can believe that as well. Yeah. Um, but to be fair to you, Bobby, I, rem- I remember when you scored that goal against us and I messaged you yeah. um, pretty much right after it, like, did you really have to go and do that? And you're like, look, you're like, just in the moment, it gets away. It was in the moment. It totally. It was I mean, in the moment. You know, I've, I've, as I've mentioned in previous shows that I've sort of kept in touch with you over, over the time yeah. that you've been away and stuff. I know how much his five means to you and I know how much you loved your time at the club. But equally, um, we're, we're going to talk a bit about it later on. The majority of fans and the fans that listen to this, we're not fickle, we're not stupid. You know, yeah. Bayview could be a bit of a cesspit at times. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, Michael it was actually the guy that had the EFTN forum. It's, it's his mm-hmm. forum. And I think that that made us yeah don't shoot him um, yeah. but that, that made for a very sort of toxic atmosphere mm. at that sort of time and, and obviously players and things are going to read that and I think that now obviously you've got social media which is so rife and it's so easy to just tweet abuse to someone how do you cope yeah. with that? Well I know about that with abuse you've gave me abuse over the years <laughs> at three in the moment when you're drunk I'm like I'll just leave that he's drunk <laughs> listen see, see, see with that like I think the fans, in a sense, like, they got, see, they had to wait to win the league and, and we won the league. I think from there, the feel-good factor and, and the mentality changes and you think, we're onto something here. You can keep pushing, we can keep doing this. We've never had this before. Some people have never experienced it, so you kick on. Um, when fans maybe start to turn and you don't get the performances, you could understand um, the frustrations. Sometimes I felt it was maybe unjust, but I felt at home, especially in some teams I played in, really struggled at home. And even when I left, I heard there was teams that struggled at home. I mean, look at Billy Brown. That's an experienced guy within the game. Absolute gold, wasn't it? (laughs) Yeah. I just watched that the other day because we'd been talking about it and I hadn't seen it for a couple of years. So I stuck it up and I was like, I forgot how good it was. (laughs) Yeah. But um, I think that kind of... You, you know yourselves. You guys know yourselves. But I think some of it was just... The, I think there was a lot of games in the derbies where we really didn't show up. I think there was quite a few of them in my time that was there. I could remember one where we went 2-0 up. I scored, I think Div scored. And you still managed to lose 3-2. Um, there's so many... I think there's been so many times um, that there was games where we probably could have won and we didn't. So I could understand frustration there. Um, definitely. I think the thing for us is we were sold a dream by Willie Gray that yeah. we're, we're going to take the Rovers down and we're going to do this and we're going to mm-hmm. do that. And look, we know the money was being banded about. Mm-hmm. We know, you know, the, the players and stuff that we brought in at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you were sitting thinking, sky's the limit here. And then, yeah. you know, after that, for lack of a better expression, the ash just fell out of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's when things turned. But yeah. you know, I think it's, it's great that you've you've agreed to come on this because it will give you a chance to tell the fans that there wasn't anything personal in that, and that it was just 
you know, I think there was maybe a wee bit of, not so much immaturity, but maybe just a little bit of... Petulance. Petulance between, yeah. from both sides. I think, um, this is the thing as well, I think I was probably one of the last ones to be at the club from that era. Well, not the era, that season that played. Mm. I think the club, there was a lot of fans that knew what I was capable of. I think there was probably more games than not that season. I never quite hit the heights that I should have. And there was probably a lot of inconsistent performances. There was a time where I was, where I was captain. There was just quite a lot going on at that and that season. I felt for me maybe it was below, well, it was below par. And I, and I could understand the frustrations because they demand and expect, um, especially from one of the more senior players, to be at it every week. I could totally understand that. Um, at the time, you can't, again, you kind of feel this is personal, but listen, it's just it's just about people wanting you to do well, wanting their team to do well. Everybody's passionate. It's not that one player doesn't care, but the fan does, does care. Um, we were all in it together, but I could look back now and understand the frustrations um, that happened at times. And even the home games, maybe we didn't do as well, and, and you could see the frustrations coming off. But there was quite a few times where there were shouts at managers and things like that, and I just think that happened more often than not. Um, where it kind of hung them up to dry a bit. So, yeah, I mean, I could give you an example. The season that we um, won the league under Gary Naismith. Now, yeah. Michael will know exactly the three guys that I'm talking about. We used to stand at the very, very back at Bayview. Oh, we used to call them, yeah, we used to call them the Muppets because yeah. they're just like the grumpy old men. Now, yeah. same guy. They'll know me. They'll know who uh, I am. Well, <laughs> Ah, uh, oh, 100%. I never ever in all my life have seen them in a away game, ever. I think that they just used to drink in the pub, round yeah. the corner for the stadium. Just go and just complain. Yeah. And well, they, they would turn up like five, ten minutes into the game as yeah. well. Yeah. See, see, let me ask you, see, see obviously the, the season with Gary Naismith yeah. and he's won the league. How was that as a fan, obviously, from the time before? And and because there was a lot of seasons in between where it was like, and there was a lot of yeah. success from the Rovers and Cowden Beast doing yeah. well. Um, as East Fife fans, because I know it was a close knit, it was a close knit um, fan base, the club. Yeah. And um, they're a proud, they're a proud club. And um, how was that for you guys to always say for that day? I think for me that the difference between the the two thousand and eight team to to the team that um, that Gary took. I think Gary did a great job at getting the fans on side with the team and and, and and building us as a unit. But I think the big difference for me personally was I knew that the club had went through a lot of turmoil after um, Lee Murray took over. You know, yeah, Rangers were yeah. in Rangers were in the league. We had players full time, had players part time. You know, the, the club seemed to be just splattering cash all over the place. Yeah, and then, then Gary came in to a, a total shitstorm, for lack of a better expression, mm-hmm. um, and he had to really steady the boat, but then almost went up the season before. But I think for me, there's, there's not much in it. There really wasn't in it in terms of the, the two teams. Yeah. I would personally say that the way that we won the league in your season, when we absolutely trounced it, mm-hmm. would eclipse that for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, Mike. Well, see, I, I didn't make it over to any games at all in that champion, the second championship season, whereas I moved away during the, the one that you won with Bobby because 
I was meant, I've told this story in the show before, but I was meant to move the season, like the end of the season before. And I delayed it because I thought we were going to win the league that season. So I delayed emigrating. It cost me quite a bit of money to delay it. And then we fucked it up. Mm-hmm. And it's similar in a way because both both championships, we could and should have gone up, I think, the season before. And then we did actually go up the next season. The later one, though, under Gary, I think no one really expected that the same way. But in the 2008 one, we expected to, to walk that league with the money that we'd spent. Mm-hmm. It's not taken away from yeah. anything because that was the first championship I'd seen us win. I've watched the yeah. team since 84 and it's been right. very few highs in that time. Yeah, I think that team, the, the team that I played in, I think was right through the side, like guys like Greg McDonald. Look at the back four. Doogie, Greg McDonald, Jane Tweedy. I mean, I think in some, I think now in that league, you could probably get away with A4. Um, they were big physical. Michael Brown in that and the goal. Well, Wally, Wally McCulloch, sorry. But you had Bibby, do you know what I mean? You had Paul Paul Stewart, the guys that could run, that could play. Um, but I think the team that Gary had, they were, I felt they were a machine. They were a difficult team to play against from us. When we played at Arbroath, um, they were a difficult team to play against. You had Big Kerr at the back, who I thought was outstanding for you. Um, yeah. Nathan Austin was, was flying fast. Um, and you just there was, there was a lot of players in and around it that were just workmanlike, but they they worked hard. And, and what he used to do, especially in games against us, he used to feel I'd get, I would personally get doubled up on in games and it used to frustrate me. Um, and, and it just wouldn't work. Not just day games, seen that in other games as well. I've seen it recently as well, but I felt that he just always was a step ahead up there in some games, especially yeah. playing against them. Um, he was the worst player to play against. I hated playing against them. And I knew, I knew if I was on the right and he was there, it was going to be a difficult game. Um, he would never dive in. Um, he would never sell himself. He would never get too tight. Um, and what he was doing, and it's just the experience he's played it. Um, I used to get a lot of stick from the manager from Campbell for that. Um, he used to just tell me to get it and go buy him, but it wasn't as easy as that. Um, he never left his cell exposed 1v1. And um, in the end, I just went over the other side and just got <laughs> So I think so, so I can never win in the games. I mean, Gary, you could just tell, you know, we, we spoke to him a, a few weeks ago now and the gravitas that he had, I mean, I, I could have listened to him all night, like yeah. literally so learned, knew exactly what he was talking about. And you could just tell even the way that when he was on the pitch playing, even as a manager, he was talking boys through the game constantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it was for me, as a fan, having a former Scotland international Everton player, you know, when when he signed for us, even as a player, you were like, "Oh my goodness!" Now, when obviously got the job, it was like immediate hero status. You He's know what I mean? Played in some big games. I mean, you watch the Premiership years, Premier League years on the telly. Yeah. And there's times I've been sitting watching, it and you think, "Guy Naismith, like uh, Derby's with Liverpool, Merseyside Derby's with Scotland. Yeah. He's played in some big games." Yeah. Um, and obviously, for him coming up and. It took them. It took them a season or two, wasn't it, to to, to win the yeah. league? And that's what we I love can... about it as well. That he just kept at it. He stuck with what he what he knew. Um, it couldn't have been easy at times. I think there was a few tough yeah. times there for him, especially in the home games. But um, yeah, well, he got given he three seasons before he delivered it. And I, like in the past, we've hounded so many managers out as fans mm-hmm. at Bayview. We've been, and yeah. when you look back at it now, it's like you need stability, especially in the lower leagues. Well, 
I think this is it, stability. I think this is what it comes down to in the period I was there after we won the league. He needed stability, and I played under four, four or five different managers in four years. Yeah. You don't know what direction you're going in then with that. Um, there's a lot of chopping and changing, a lot of players coming and going, and a lot of loan signings coming in. I think probably when John Robertson came in, he steadied it, and you thought maybe something could happen, but it didn't quite. But... um. I think that speaks volumes of Gary, his mental strength um, to just keep believing in his own his own ideas and, and, and that he felt that he could always get there. And then he obviously got his sell a move, but um, mm-hmm. it's a difficult team to play against that team that won the league. I felt they were a good side, they were a machine, they were solid. And he had some good players in there as well. Yeah, he was he was always I would say like frugal in the loan market as well. But obviously, when you're you're somebody like him, you've got a lot of contacts, so we're quite yeah. lucky in that sense. Mm-hmm. So we'll bring you back to your playing days at the the best club you've played for. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like you said, yes, there you hear that. We're going to talk about your goals now. Yeah. When I was having you on, I was racking my brains of what my favourite goal was, and I've narrowed yeah. it down to two. Okay. The goal direct for the corner at Stenhouse Muir. Right, let me, let me, I think I know what two it is, right? Then what's the other one going to be? Oh, it's got to be the race-free kick. That's exactly that. <laughs> it's got to be that. Yeah. Um, I still get sent that on, to, uh, on uh, YouTube now. Um, <laughs> that was, we were, I think it was 4-0 at the time, and I made it 4-1. I've yeah. got the arms up celebrating, a token yeah. gesture, come on. Yeah. I think it finished 5-2, and then the corner. Listen, the one against Wraith, See, to be honest with you, and I'm just going to say it, I love scoring against Wraith. I've never liked them as a club. I get I, I get stick when I go there even now. Um, and then I think whilst winning the league at Arbroath, they, seem to, they just seem to not take to me. Um, but it's just a club I've just not really got much time for. So playing with East Fife and that, there's, that comes with that as well. But um, that was a good goal, but the, the corner was the best one for me. The corner was bad. We went to Aberdeen, like the the, the the round after that, but that was a miserable day. Um, I don't think it was that. We had a lot to shout about that season either, but um, I remember taking that corner. Well, I think it was wind assisted, but I, I could remember it going in. I think there's a video of it kicking about, and uh, it was a cold day, wasn't it? It was it was rainy, yeah. it was windy, and uh, I think you guys will remember that. And we knew that we were going to Aberdeen after that, but um, I think that one would be the best one. Yeah, I like that one. It was John Robinson. It was on the post actually. I always remind him of that. He's just sort of he's defending uh, with the headers because it, it went over <laughs> him. So I'll expose him for that. Yeah, I think I, I remember the goal because it was at, like the the way fans used to be at the but I always used to call it the cow shed. Yeah, because it, it just looked like an abandoned cow shed. Um, and I went in and I was like. That looks like it's, and then the next minute the fans all just cheered, and I was like, "Did that go straight in, or did somebody get a touch in it?" And then yeah. it was obviously Bobby Lynn, corner king. <laughs> I think you heard the old shouts, um, "That's in, that's in!" Oh, and, and the fans celebrated. But I could remember that. I could remember that goal because I think did we not know we were going to Aberdeen after that? I think the draw was made because yeah. we drew, yeah. and we knew we were going there. But um, there was another one. There was another goal that I enjoyed. It was at home to Aloha. We beat them four-one. And that where the away fans had scored down at that end, that was under John Roberts. And I think that was his second game. I played Dumbarton his first game. And the second game was Allo, I beat them 4-1. And I remember scoring one in the top bin that day. And that one, that one sticks out for us as well. I really enjoyed playing under Robbo. Robbo was great. 
he was, didn't he score was, many tap-ins for us, Bobby, to be fair. Nah, like I've got, there's there's a couple of videos on YouTube with the goals some seasons, and there wasn't many, was there? There was a no. few decent ones in there. Um, I think that that's that's probably where that sort of messiah status came from because mm-hmm. you you were such a talisman for us. You scored so many good goals, but important goals as well. Mm-hmm. So many assists, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. I think you've touched on it yourself. Your form dipped that wee bit, and because yeah. our expectations were you know so so high, yeah. mm-hmm. it, it was obviously a wee bit difficult for us. But I think that the majority of fans, how, I don't know how it never quite worked out towards the end because I mean. Boys like Robert Sloan, Hizzy, we Ryan Wallace, um, we had some good players. Don't know how it never quite worked out with that, but we had some good players in the, in, in the team. But um, Craig Johnson deserves a mention. Um, Stoney came in, he'd, he'd done excellent when he came in. He must be one that's hold, held in high regard. He's um, he's, a, he's an ultimate professional. Um, I really enjoyed playing with him. he done really well. and. He actually come to our growth and played for a bit, but he was somebody that gave his all and he scored a few goals as well. Um, he ended up starting further forward, but then moved back and then got the captain in the club. And I knew that he was he was obviously proud of that, but um, he, des- he deserves a mention because he's a good lad and he's he done well at the club, I feel. Yes, Stoney's not actually somebody that, that probably gets the shout that he deserves because, you know, sort of local lad came on mm-hmm. and played. But I think because he's in a... Unfortunately for him, he's in an era a team that didn't play particularly yeah. well. Yeah. Um, and it, that, that'll probably sort of get forgotten about a wee bit. Forgotten, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I think that, no, you're absolutely right. Stoney definitely deserves a shout. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, went on to captain the club, something which you did yourself. So yeah. when you got the captain, say that must have been, would that have been your first time captain in a club? Yeah, because what happened with that one? Everybody, I know that Doogie Cameron will be listening to this, and he'll be he'll be laughing at that Bobby Lynn captain. He'd <laughs> be Doogie for a number of years, and he'll just be laughing at it because I'm not captain material. I've never been a captain. I never have. The older I've got, and I can maybe use words more more wisely and pass on a few um, experience tips and knowledge and things like that before games. But never felt comfortable being a captain, and I don't. I never quite felt comfortable in that in that um, position when I was when I was given the captaincy, um, if I'm honest. And I've never really spoke about that, but I wasn't really comfortable taking that. But at the time, I wasn't playing as well and confidence was low. So Robbo came and gave me it and he felt that it could, it could boost and it kicked me. It kicked me on a bit. Um, I managed to captain the team up at Aberdeen when we won on penalties. And that was a proud moment. It was a proud night. That's one I'll never forget. Um, and you guys certainly won't. Um, it was probably one of the first ones that playing part time where you've went and took a scalp that I've played in. Mm. So that was that was massive. Um felt down at the the Kelly game after that I felt was was it this game we didn't quite turn up to that one the way we've been playing because the game before it, I remember scoring against Dolphin but one two one we were flying that night. But um the captain say I've got a few memories from that, but um as I say that was Robbo just trying to get the best out of us maybe felt I wasn't doing as well. But um, again, going back to the fans, they all saw that, you all saw that yourself. I think a lot of fans speak of inconsistency when my name gets mentioned. I could probably relate to that. It was probably a time where I was inconsistent. Probably could have done better at games, but as I say, there was never a game I never gave my all for the club. Maybe I was a victim of my own ability at times because I maybe used to 
that magical, that magic and brilliance. I think I've suffered that hard growth a few times as well over the years. But the thing is, you, you just got to go on with it and, and criticism. It's never personal. Um, it's always criticism. Sometimes you need to take that. And the older I've got, I've been able to take that because it was terrible when I was younger. <laughs> I yeah, I think uh, that's one of the, the sort of things that I would probably have said was that definitely there was always the bite back at the fans if we were getting there on was. your back. Yeah, there was, there was, um, there was that, and there was that when I left as well. There just again, there just seemed to be something, maybe me taking it a bit personal, and as I say, at that time probably a bit immature. Definitely not as the person that I am now, and the way you look at things, and when times are healer, I mean, you move on from that and playing at our growth and things have helped, and you look back at it and you think, I've got fond memories. I don't look back and think. What a, what a horrible time that was. There was fond memories there, and I think this podcast explains that. Um, you see yeah. the stories from it, um, stories that I'll always remember. Some crazy, crazy guys I played with, um, some good managers, and some some funny stories, some characters, and the fans, the fans played their part as well. Where does the night in Aberdeen rank in terms of your, 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 your biggest scalps then? <laughs> what, the night out with Phone Bakey or the night we beat Aberdeen? <laughs> We'll, we'll start with the night that you'd be with the Aberdeen. <laughs> the night you'd be Aberdeen was massive for us. We were, you've seen the celebrations after the game. I missed a penalty. I thought you would have mentioned that because I still get that from Hizzy and that now. But um, I remember missing a penalty, but we managed to, to go on and win the game. But that was a great feeling. Um, the stadium was full. And we'd been up a few seasons before and, and got four and five each time. So it was, it was daunting, but we really... Again, and that team maybe never achieved as much as what they should have. But that night, the night the boys stuck together, and what a performance it was! I mean, I've probably said it a few times in the show. I'm, I'm, I'm not Hesse's biggest fan, but he was absolutely unbelievable. He was centre half that night, wasn't he? I know. Uh-huh. Oh my god! Still hearing about that today, honestly. He should have probably continued at centre half for us. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, he probably would have scored more goals for centre half. Eh? <laughs> um, no, um, but no, great night, captain of the club. It's one I'll, I've got a photo of that um, armband on. One I always remember, and uh, I feel it was my sheer grit and determination as a leader that night to get us through that. <laughs> so. There'll be a Bobby Lynn inspirational quote written on the wall at Bayview <laughs> from that night. I had to follow it on Twitter because you couldn't get any radio or anything. It was blocked over here in Canada. So I'm following it on Twitter. Watching a penalty shootout on Twitter is hell. Yeah, it was um, when I missed my penalty, it was hell as well because (laughs) you just think it's not going to be our night. You don't want to be the one to kind of be the one to lose out on it. Um, But we managed to win. I can't remember. I think the Michael Brown did he not save one and we scored. We had some yeah. good players, great ability. Um, you had Ryan Wallace, Sloane, Matthew Park, with some great boys. You were confident. Um, I'll need to throw his in there because he'll not be happy if I don't. But um, we did have some good players in that team, and uh, that night a few of them stepped up and and, and we managed to win it. I know you're settled at our broth and at the stage you are in your career, that might be the club you, you end up playing with. But you, you never know what happens in football. If the chance to come back to Bayview presented itself, would you go back? I think it's a difficult one to answer now because I've been at Arbroath for eight years. Um, 
everybody knows I'm settled there. It's a club I love. Um, I've loved every minute of it. I feel, I feel I could sit here and say I've played my best football um, with that club throughout my career. Um, certainly more consistent. Um, and if, I've just signed another two-year deal, which takes me up to a testimonial. Um, oh, brilliant. That, that's something I've, I've, I've been looking at and my man is to get that done. So I'm delighted with that. Whatever happens in the future, you, you can never predict the future. But all I could say for at the moment is the time I played at the club, I really enjoyed my time at East Fife. Um, I feel we've still got memories that we'll always remember, we'll cherish. I've got a league title, I've got the medal that sits in the, the cabinet. Um, that'll, that's one I'll always, that'll always be with me. Um, but at the moment, I think maybe that, that time of my career has, has, has been and gone. And now, with our growth, we'll probably finish up with our growth. I mean, to get a testimonial these days, it, it seems so rare. Like when I was a boy, even, I used to collect football programmes and you, there was all these testimonial programmes. And nowadays, it's like players, if they're there two or three seasons, that's like fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've always been talked about as a guy that could have played at the top level. Yeah. Did you get the chance to? And is it more a case like you had a good job you didn't really want to go full-time? You seem to hear, even I'm going back to my time from East Fife, it was probably from then, probably every season. Um, there was a time even at East Fife when Hibs and Hearts had contacted the club. Um, I've been Wendell Feltman. Um, throughout the years, there's been clubs from Scotland, Premier League, that, that have contacted clubs, and it's just never quite materialised. I, I, I can't say why. Um Maybe at the time they felt that it just wasn't the right move to step in, but there was over the years there's been contacts with clubs. When I was at Ice Fife, there was a few, and then with our growth. But um, I've always just been quite comfortable playing where I am, and if the opportunity came, I always had the confidence that I can play higher. I do get that a lot. I still get that even now at the age that I'm at now. Play people thinking even with a year in the championship, there I've scored eight goals, I've set up six they feel you could still go up and play at that level at the age of it, but I'm confident, I'm happy, and I feel I'm playing my best football, but I can't really answer that, how, how that's never materialised. Um, all I could go by is on my performances, the stats, the goals, the assists, the, the appearances, and one thing I'm, I'm, I'm proud of is the amount of appearances I've made for every club. Um, yeah. I've never been one that, that comes in, I'll sit about taking a wage. Um, I, I like to play, I want to play football, it makes us happy, and and I certainly um, showed that with the performances and, and appearances that I've had for clubs. I'm sure I had a good few for uh, uh, East Fife as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think it was 139. Just got two last things before we get to your, your all-time teams. And they're both kind of around, like, future Scottish Football League reconstruction. Like, we've talked about it to death. We're kind of sick of talking about it. But as a player that's been in the lower leagues your whole career, yeah, what do you think... This should the, the league should look like as a player. What would you like to be seeing? What would you like to be playing in? I think. What was it now? Was it the fourteen, fourteen, ten? Was that was that one or was it? It was fourteen, 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 and then there was fourteen, ten, ten, ten. Fourteen. I think the fourteen, fourteen, fourteen would have been. I would have. I would have liked to see how that turned out. A freshness to the game. Um, leagues extended um, makes the, the Premier League more exciting. It makes the league below more exciting. It gives other teams a chance. It gives a mentality shift to some teams to say, by the way, we've got a chance here to kick on. 
It could generate monies and money in different ways for clubs. It could pull back fans. Teams like Kelty and that coming in have got a couple of cracks at trying to get in into the, the Premier League. Um, it changes the mindset of some clubs, maybe brings back in into some clubs. Mm. I think it just brings a whole new freshness to the game. Um, but for yeah. some reason or not, it seems that we're not going to go with that. But that's that's just my view of that it would it would have been nice to try that out. But as I say, I'm not I'm not despondent that we need to go back to that next season because I feel next season we've still got a wee chance to kick on. But oh yeah, that's just my opinion on it. I mean, obviously it's a bit different in the championship because you're playing good teams, but like as a yeah. player, when you've been in League One and League Two, did you get a sick of playing the same teams four times, maybe more? You know what? It was always the games you had to go up to Elgin, you had to go to Stranraer, Peterhead. You never you never wanted to do the games. You knew that you had them twice a season. Um, sometimes you had Elgin, Ahan and Stranraer all in the same league. It was a bit repetitive at times. Um you're going to games where you've got maybe a couple hundred fans. It just does it work? Probably not. Does it does it create an atmosphere within the game? Does does it bring people in to watch it? Probably not. Um and up at Elgin. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't really work. Yeah. Whereas if if you maybe extended the leagues, you've got bigger clubs in the leagues. Um you see some some full time teams in League One at the moment. If that changed you can get teams to start playing the full-time teams and it just generates a, a more buzz about the game and I just feel what we need to do in Scotland is get the punters back in I feel um, yeah. the, the game's been kind of just left to do its thing but um, I feel the punters are the main thing in football the fans and they need to try and make it easier for fans to come make it cheaper and um, and things like that to try and make the game better to bring an atmosphere to the game I mean, something that might help that, we've talked about it a little bit in the last couple of shows, is looking at summer football. It's always brought up. And I'm spoiled over here because I'm used to playing or watching games in the nice weather. Whereas you go back to Scotland now, and you've played at two of the coldest stadiums, like at Bayview and at Gayfield. It's like you couldn't get much colder. Would you relish, I guess, summer football playing at, at Gayfield in the winter? Um. Summer football, like, honestly, right, our growth, Gayfield is iconic, right? And the amount of points we've got last season, and in other games as well, in the winter time, up at Gayfield on a Saturday afternoon or a Tuesday night, is absolutely incredible yeah. against teams that come up and they come out and they see this wind and they see the rain. And you, you could, I'm telling you, you can see the look on their face. But this is the thing. See, with lower league players, if we were to play these Fife and Nicky Dissons, does not phase them. They're used to it. These players are used to coming up. They know what you get when you come up to Arbro. Whereas the full-time teams come up, they want to come and try and pass it. And so many teams fell victim to that. Mm. So I wouldn't change the worst winter day in Arbro to summer football in my lifetime ever. When I, when I come over now for matches, I'm sitting freezing and I'm like, why are we doing this? But then, yeah, when you say that, that makes love. sense. Yeah, but um, that's that's one thing that certainly helped us last season was we had some horrendous days up there. But you do, yeah. you actually see it. You see it with players they come out before the game, um, and they're just not used to that. Whereas, as you could see, the lower league teams, they, they, you know what you get when you go up to Darbro. So they know how to set up. They know how to play. Um, so sometimes it's a wee change for the full team teams to come up. So we freshness, if we bring a freshness to the whole thing, it helps. I mean, I, I'm in Vancouver. We play in a stadium that has a roof. 
So it's like it's never cold. It's like it's always a nice temperature. Imagine a roof at, at Gayfield. I think it would blow off if I had a roof at Gayfield. <laughs> <laughs> I think Dev was in Vancouver, was he not, at one point? He's in uh, just outside of Toronto. Is he? And then I think Michael Brown went to Canada as well, actually. Michael Brown, yeah. Michael Brown. Is Dev still there then? Yeah, he's he's in he? Kingston, Ontario. So he's a bus driver over there and Is he? He said he's gonna get into coaching. He he was oh you won't have heard this, but he was playing in a league called the Canadian Soccer League that got unsanctioned by FIFA because of match fixing. Oh really? Apparently they were paying uh, Balingari wages there, Bobby. That's what I'd yeah, right. You love the Balingari shout, don't you? I thought we spoke about that. I've already spoke about that. I, I was never going to let you off lightly with that, mate. Come on. <laughs> so, before we go into your best 11 with and your yeah. best 11 against, I still don't feel we've heard the stories that you're itching to tell. So now's your chance. Get it off but your chest. Who's getting I've told, pelters? I've told you. I've told you a few. Like, so... I've told you a few. Um, it's, most of them, it's a case you need to be there in the moment with it because it's been so funny times. But I can remember coming in from Morton. I think it was played out and then I played another home game after that. I think it was 3 0 up at half time. I think it was Montrose maybe. I never passed the Bibby and we're coming off at half time and I'm, I've went up to him. <laughs> Bibby, now I was at St Johnson for a week when I was at Dundee with a view to go and try on loan. And he gave me pelters that week, and I never knew him. I'm thinking, this guy's crazy. Just didn't like young boys, right? So I knew what to expect when I went and played. So that first game, you're three now up. Just relax. I went up to him, like, should I give you it there? He says, fuck off, back to Morton. <laughs> you wee cunt. <laughs> I just walked in with my head there going, he's, a, he's an arse, he's an arse. But that's, you see, when you look at that, right, you think, you can laugh in that, but for me, Looking at that now, that was your three 0 up. That was the type of pe- the, the, the type of personality you had in that dressing room at that time. The will to win, to, even if you didn't give him that ten yard pass, five yard pass, he, he demands more. Like a Roy Keane type, because that's what he was like as a personality. He was fierce, he was fiery, and and one thing I love about him after the game, he came and apologised, and he was the nicest guy ever off the pitch. Um, but that will to win on, and I mean. When you apologise and speak to somebody, then you can go to training the next night and this guy is spitting fire at you. A lot of people, could, it could break a few people. It could break, especially the young boys coming through. But if, if you learn to do it and you realise that the good players in the team that he knows he can get the best out of, don't take it personal and work, then you'll get your rewards. And that's what happened to him. So we've heard, obviously, there was, there was a bit of um, head clashing between... Obviously, you've said yourself and Fozzie now, Paul and Fozzie. Dev said that there was that with him and Tweedy. Is there any yeah. any other sort of rivalries just, in that squad we didn't know? Jay uh, Smart and Sean Fagan had a one too. Like, oh, really? Shatty, so it'll be fair. I think he tried to throw a punch at Jay and Jay. Jay lost the plot, like. But um, Fagan, he'd done a bit of a bad move on Jay to go for him, but um, that, that could have... We knew we just jumped on James. That could have ended well for Fagan. Like McManus, if he hit Bakey that day, probably wouldn't have been here. <laughs> <laughs> Dave Div, Div mentioned, Div just said it was like there were so many players that hated each other, but on the pitch, you just put it all together. There was not like, I'm quite shocked they've seen that in terms of what he hated. I think there was a lot of big personalities in that league and that's in that team. But for me, the, the one with Fagan and Jay, as with 
the one with Bibi and, and Paul. It's the will to win, and they're willing at any cost to go and have a go. And that's how much it meant. Um, you don't get that nowadays. Everybody's too nice nowadays. Um, yeah. If we done that in our dressing room now, our gaffer would applaud it. That's what he would do because he wants to see that passion. Um, and, and you got that in that team. And that was a team that was 20 points clear or something. So I think that speaks volumes of the, the temperament and the personalities you had in the dressing room. But sometimes you're going to class. You're, you're in a team of 18. These aren't all, all going to be... In, want to go in the same direction. Some players aren't playing, some players are. Um, you've got to try and keep everybody happy. There's going to be melees, there's going to be arguments, um, there's going to be fists thrown. Um, luckily, none of them got in a fist fight with me because they know what would have happened if they did, but um, <laughs> I, was, I was always quite, <laughs> quite relaxed. But um, there was a few, there was a few, um, but um, it was something that was forgot about after that. They've said to me today that you were one of the quieter boys in that changing room. That was that was what he said. Yeah, he said that the Dundee boys, you were one of the quieter ones. And I was like, I've been on nights out when I bumped into Bobby, and that's not true. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's maybe because of, it's maybe because of the amount of things I've done to him that he's probably said that. he's obviously not forgive me for a few things. But um, yeah, we were we were on a night out in Aberdeen. It's the same night. It was the same. Yeah. So. We're in the nightclub and we were just, we were, we were, we were just mad. Like, it was like, man, come here. Get Bakey's number. We're phoning him up. Go and get his number. It's three in the morning or something. And uh, I phoned him. His wife answered him. shouting, put Davy on. Put the gaffer on. When you speak to him, Dev, Dev's want to speak to him. Right? He came on. I gave the phone to Dev and Dev was panicking. We're shouting down the phone. I'm just, why is Dev no playing and, and all this sort of stuff? But he hung up on us. But he was, the next day, I think, what's he going to be? But he was brand new. Phoned him, and he was he was fine. But that night, we went back to the hotel, and uh, David fell asleep. Oh, I don't know if I should say this, but I think he's David told this story. If it's the same one, <laughs> David fell asleep, and there was a few things happening to him. But um, his, his girlfriend phoned. Did he tell you that? Yeah. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> and we told him he was up to something that he shouldn't have been up to. But, uh, I think that ended his relationship. He did. Did it? Aye. I think it ended that we, me and Gary Greenhill and McManus, we, some of the stuff we said on the phone that night. But I, I explained to him, he could have then been stuck with her and not met his current wife and then he wouldn't have this life yeah. that he's got. No, now, Lisa, so. But listen, this thing, it happens for a reason. I yeah. actually tried to do a toilet in the bed he was sleeping in right beside him, um, right at his face, but I pulled it at the last minute. I couldn't do it to him. But um, there was another member of the team that, that did do something. You know who it was, Paul McManus. <laughs> but um, I think he was able to do that one. They were closer than what I was one. So uh, yeah. some some I good think... memories, some some good times. Um, but there you go. We split up. We split up a potential marriage. Yeah. We we'll end yeah. on that. <laughs> <laughs> that that's I how I was we'll end on it. that. I was given a belters anyway. There's some of the boys in the team. Um, <laughs> But um, no, as I say, it's, it's been an enjoyable uh, podcast. Just to just giving you knowledge on the team and I have enjoyed and stories and um, and just obviously my time at the club. But um, well, we'll rattle pleasure. through your rattle through your elevens then, and then we'll let you escape. Right, right, Bobby, best eleven you've played with. Go, right here we go. Best eleven. So the goalkeeper would have to be Michael Brown. Yeah, Michael Brown. So right back, Scott Jury. 
I had a good partnership with Scott. Um, really enjoyed playing with him. Probably should still be playing. I thought he was good for the club. Um, I don't know whatever happened with Scott, but Scott Jury, big Jonathan Smart. Um, just because, listen, he's my big friend. Um, he's got a head like an FA Cup as well. The ears. I get Wi-Fi off his ears when I go up to his house. <laughs> I put the Wi-Fi on his ears. Jay's ears, and you get it no bother off him. But no, he's done great for the club. He's a club legend. And we all dream of a team of Johnny Smart. Smart. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Stephen Tweed, just because he was a big legend as well. Um, Douglas, Duckass Cameron, he's got to be in there. Um, the left midfield would be Craig Johnston. I hate him because he's a Rangers fan, though. I can't accept that from him. <laughs> he knows that, but he's in my team. Um, in the midfield, if it was down. Kevin Fotherham's going to be in it because he'll grab me by the throat the next time he sees me. So he's in it. <laughs> Matthew Park is on the right. Yeah. Um, and in the central. So I've got I've got one more centre midfielder, haven't I? Yeah. Robert Sloan. Robert Sloan yep. is in that team. So it's Matthew Park, Robert Sloan, Kevin Fotherham, Craig Johnston, and the two strikers. Although. Temple went for me, done really well at the club. Mm. The best I've played was McManus and Wallace. Yep. Both deadly. Wallace, McManus, both, I think, similar in a lot of ways. Um, selfish strikers, you don't get much of that. Now, I played with Wallace the last couple of years. Still got that about him. Love that about him. You need to be selfish. Um, you need to be that, have that arrogance and have that aggression about you. And I feel the two of them, when they're at the club, kind of took took it on the, upon themselves to go and win games and take that, that mantle. See if you had a penalty and, and you needed to score it, they two would always step up and take the penalty. Um, unless I was playing. But, uh, no, they two, they two really stepped up to the point when I played them. That's really two were the best two that I played with. And the manager would have to be Billy Brown. Nah, I'm only kidding. Davey <laughs> Bakey. <laughs> Davey Bakey. Has Bakey been places and done things? Because Billy has. He's certainly done things. Well, this is it. He's, um, Bakey, Bakey was in Newcastle that time with the, when we were on the ferry, and he's done things. Believe me. He was there. <laughs> the best of living against for me, uh, when I was at Dundee when I started out, I actually got still young Petrov's top. We played at Celtic Park. Um, it's actually on YouTube. I set up one of the goals. We lost 3-2 to Celtic, the UFA Cup team. 2003, yeah. that lost to Porto. It's got to be that team. Um, I played against him a couple of times that year as a 17-year-old kid. Uh, to, to come on at Parkhead, um, walk, walk out to never walk alone, Larson, Sutton, Petrov, Lambert, Thompson, um, Big Bobo Baldy, Valharan, Mialbe, Robert Douglas, what a side they had. Um, Didier Agat. Um, they had some it was just an incredible side and for me I could have picked players individually but I just feel for me as a team mm-hmm. that team were excellent even that season um, they were a strong strong side and how well they've done in that competition so it's something that that I'm proud of and that, that I had a pleasure doing was walking out there and, and getting to, to, to play a part in that season against such a an illustrious team and a successful team So that Stillian Petrov top then must be your most treasured piece of memorabilia no, it's not. It's, um, I actually gave that to my cousin. 
he was a massive set of fan. He got season tickets, and he's got that framed. So he uses that. He's the one that's got that. As I say, the most prized possess I've won individual awards, and the, the two PFAs were was phenomenal for me, um, and and, and an amazing experience to win them. Um, both at different times, I've probably different sort of eras in terms of who you're playing with. And so to win the one a few years ago, well, last year, so late on in my career was obviously a pleasure. And the, the leagues that I've managed to win, the East Fife, Morton, and the two at Arbroath, they're, they're, when you play football, a lot of players, sorry, a lot of players in top level can, can go throughout their career and make a lot of money, but not win anything. Football's about winning, but it's about creating memories and having that memories to tell your kids, your grandkids, and as, as, as Dick would say, but... Um, I've got quite a few trophies sitting there and medals with things, so when I stop playing, it's something I can look at and I'll have fond memories of. I'm not sure I'll be able to come back to Bayview to watch a game again, but I've got fond memories. I think that you're probably a bit wrong about that, mate. Um, nah, I think I that I definitely down the line, you know, that, that 2008 team will be welcome back to Bayview open arms. Well, we'll wrap up there, mate. It's been an yeah. absolute pleasure. An absolute pleasure to talk to you. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've I've made no bones about it. Um, from my time sporting East Fife, you'd be my favourite player, um, mm-hmm. and it's been an absolute pleasure to to talk to you. Put in a word with with Johnny. Um, desperate to try and get him on. Yeah, he's a, he's a tough nut to crack. The big man. Um, he's. Uh, I'll have a wee word, and I'll see him tomorrow, and I'll speak to him. I know that he. Oh, he talks about when he's drunk. Is. The, the, the team of Johnny Smarts, he loves all that. Um, he <laughs> yeah. loves the club. Sometimes you'll get a few wee tweets and that from him when he's when he's on the yeah. drink. But he's he's uh, he miss he misses it. He misses the game. He misses playing the game, um, and he misses playing there because he was so successful. But he would be a good one to go on. He loves some good stories. Uh, Doogie yeah. as well. Doogie yeah, d- yeah he's on the list. Hundred um, percent. Yeah, I think you, Doogie. Ryan Blackard and Kevin Fullenham all look alike. Yeah. You've got the three of their yeah. brothers, but... Uh, <laughs> I'll be getting the E-E e- e- part as well. <laughs> yeah, I'll be getting that as well. <laughs> you remember that, do you? Oh, That's uh, Paul, Paul spoke about that. Um, and, and, Div, and Div spoke about it as well, so yeah, I'll be part right. of the E-E crew. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, it was just good part of them. Um, it was just a great side to play in that year. Um, I enjoyed my time there. Um, we managed some success. And it's something that you should be fond of as well. Yeah, definitely, oh. mate. We really appreciate you giving your time up. Good luck whenever everything gets underway again. Like, good luck with our growth. It was a and pleasure. It was a pleasure, guys. I really appreciate you getting in touch and, and managing to do this. Absolutely fantastic stuff from Bobby there. We knew it was going to be a good interview. It was one of our longest interviews. Some of the fun segments that we've done with him as well, you're going to have tears rolling down your face when you hear those, but that was fantastic, Lee. Yeah, look, I've made no bones about it in previous episodes. Bobby is probably my all-time East Fife hero, along with the likes of Greg McDonald, Kenny Jacquard, Deb Muir, you know, these comic manners I could go on, but you know, Bobby definitely deserves to make that bracket. Um, an absolutely fantastic footballer and a great guy to boot. I laughed a lot during that episode. I hope you managed to edit the majority of it out because 
particularly in the funny segment, the tears rolling down my face were were, were bad. Um, I thought I was going to wake my daughter up. I was laughing so hard. So I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. And hopefully hearing Bobby's side of things will maybe turn the fans back onto Bobby a little bit. I think that, you know, he admits himself that he was maybe just a little bit, not immature, but maybe just a bit too quick to retaliate to the criticism. And, and Aggie's five fans were, were pretty good at the whole criticising thing. But hopefully now that enough time's lapsed, you know, we, we seem to do well at welcoming players back and down the line. And I, I hope that, you know, the likes of Bobby and Johnny Smart, Stevie Campbell, these guys get welcomed back to Bayview Open Arms. I, I would hope so. And it's like Bobby did so well for us. And we won't go over this again because we've talked about it a few times. If you're going to give a player abuse and then he gives you something back, it's like, don't overreact. There's nothing I hate more than when you you see fans have given players abuse and the player does something and then they report it to the police. And it's like, oh, come on. It's like, it's football, it's banter, it's like ridiculous. And B- Bobby has matured a lot and he was so well-spoken, I thought, during that interview as well. He has matured, yet you just listen to him and he talks a lot of sense and what he's done in the lower leagues is fantastic. He could have gone to play at a higher level, I think. Possibly still could. I'd welcome him back at, at Bayview with open arms as a player. I don't think he will. I think he'll see out his career with our growth, but... Scottish football, never say never. Definitely not. And, you know, that his, his career and his stats speak for himself. But the best thing about Bobby is he hates the Rovers just as much as we do. Yeah, that's always good to know. So, another new segment for you guys. I've been bombarding Michael's Facebook Messenger all week with new ideas, and this is another one that he loved. So, I'm going to bring to you a little quiz, which is called, as you've guessed by the title, Who Are You? So, in this segment, you're, I'm going to propose five questions. I asked them to Mike, who didn't get it this week, which I was a bit surprised that, as I thought I'd picked a fairly easy one to begin with. Yeah, but you threw me with one of these. See if it throws the listeners as well. Yeah, I'm all about that curveball. So I'm going to give you five questions and then I'll reveal the answer on next week's show. But obviously feel free to, to tweet us in the meantime if you, if you get it right. So question number one. I was born on the 1st of February, 1981. Question number two. Started his career at Race Rovers. Question number three. Last club was Brotty Athletic. Question number four. After five years at East Fife, signed for Montrose. And question number five. Won the PFA Award in 2008. Who am I? So, there's your answers, your questions for this week. Send us a tweet at Glory Days of Gold or send us a message on Facebook um, by searching Glory Days of Gold too. If you think you know who it is, let us know. Yeah, and see if you do better than me. I, I, I don't one think of those that threw me. Uh, yeah, I know. One of those absolutely threw me because I thought it was the right answer. And then, yep, yeah, one of the questions had me going up the wrong path completely. That's all I'll say in that. We'll talk about more of that next week. But loving the new segments... If anyone's got any ideas for some fun segments that we can do as well, let us know. 
We have, with all our interviews so far, recorded a couple of other fun pieces that we haven't brought you any of those yet. Kind of saving those till the, the season gets underway when we're maybe doing shorter interviews than these long-form ones that we're doing so far. Because I, I think when the season does get underway, Lee, our show, it's, it's not going to be vastly different from what we've been doing but I think it's going to be a lot more kind of little snippets here and there and it's going to be more kind of like a magazine show as opposed to just now which is primarily interview I think. Yeah I think that the hopes for the season is obviously to introduce the the East 5 fan TV which I think has got tremendous scope to be great fun. Hoping to spend more time talking with current players so I'm delighted to announce that Kevin Smith's um, agreed to come on club captain so hopefully get him on close at the time we've also agreed with Anne Dunstanlow and Scott Agnew Um, so I'm really 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 excited about what the new season can bring hopefully I'm I'm currently speaking with people at the club to potentially look at joining in in post-match interviews as well so that we could ask questions directly from our listeners if there's anything you want to know we do seem to have built up a, a decent relationship with current manager Darren Young. Um, so if you've got any questions that you would like us to put to Darren, hopefully we could get answers for the following week's show. So, yeah, I think that it's, it's exciting times. And the, again, the feedback that you guys have given us and, and what we're seeing. I mean, even just, just now as we're recording this, um, Craig Brown, our, our friend in Uddingston, um, has just put a wee tweet out there and it said, what was the, the podcast that got you through lockdown? And he said, Glory Days of Gold. I'm actually going to give another shout out to Michael Sullivan. So this was a bit of a random one. I don't know if you've seen it in the Facebook Messenger during the week. No. So Michael messaged the other day and said, I hope your high heating system is working well. I've been enjoying the podcast. And I was like, what? So then when I clicked on his profile, I was like, oh, that was the engineer that came and, and fitted my high heating system at the start of the year. And when we started chatting, um, I told him I was in his Fife fan and he stays through that sort of way and we chatted back and forward. So it's just, uh, he managed to pick up from that on social media somehow and yeah, he's enjoying the show too. So hello, Michael. Um, glad you're enjoying. Yeah, it's fantastic. And as we, we touched on last week, we've had a lot of folk listening from out with the, the Fife and Scotland area as well. So I mean, that that's been great. But we want to make this like fan driven. So any any ideas you've got, even if you think it's a ridiculous idea, shoot it our way. We might not use them all, but we're open to everything just to, to keep you entertained. I I have to admit, when when you told me that Kevin Smith was coming on, I'm still excited that we've got Kevin Smith, but I was like, oh my God, I get to talk to him about Jay and Silent Bob movies. But I could still ask him about those and see what he says. See how often he gets mistaken. Well, Probably never. just when you're saying that, um, it just reminds me of our very own Jay and Not-So-Silent Bob, which we've just touched yes. on in that episode, <laughs> which you can find on the, on the AFTN YouTube channel. So if you want to hear another rendition of all these things that I've done, which should have in brackets like burst your eardrums, um, then you can find that on our YouTube channel. I know, I watched those videos back and joe's band because it was their equipment that they were using must they looked nervous i remember the whole time but that was a fantastic night i'd flown back from canada just for that day to to see the trophy and have the end of year celebrations and i mean listening to bobby talking about it that was fantastic so many memories but that's what scottish football is all about just to, to round off this part we're gonna have a look at some of the, the talking points from scottish football this week and you'll be glad to know There's not too much league reconstruction talk in this episode. I think we've done that to death. But there could be an explosive twist in it all because the SFA have apparently summoned Hearts and Partick 
to a meeting on August 6th where they might face punishment for taking the league to court without permission and that could be a fine from anything from 5 grand to 500 grand. They could be suspended for the season. They could even be expelled, which I think is going a little bit excessive. It does seem a little bit heavy-handed because the clubs are right to be pissed off. And it's August 6th. The season's got underway in the Premier League by that point. So I think we can be fairly sure that Hearts aren't going to be in the Premier next season at, at this rate. But will they be playing anything? Will Partick Thistle be in our division or will they get suspended? I think they'll probably get fined, but it's crazy. I think to fine them is probably the right thing to do. But even then, it's... It's a bit of a it's a bit hard lines, isn't it? Yeah. Because they've they've tried to fight for their club, but equally, you know, they were bottom of the league, so you've got to take your medicine. So I don't know, but I'm glad that I'm not the person making that decision. It's just more farcicalness. In the article I read about that, it also mentioned that apparently Airdrie had put forward during all the reconstruction talks a bizarre proposal to have a twenty team championship. It was going to be fourteen twenty ten. And the thought is that might even be looked at again for the 21-22 season. That just makes no sense. I would hope not. I think that you really, really run the risk of it just becoming a farmer's league at that. Because there's, unless you've got big money or you're full-time, there's no chance you're striving for mediocrity. And I think that takes the excitement out of the game. I think that realistically, I think that 14-10-10-10, or even... Why don't we look at doing something like 14, 14, 14 and bring up some more teams from the Lowland League? I think that we need to do something like that. I think that the playoffs is essential. Um, I think that what we should, if, if it was my ideal way, we would have two teams and a playoff from the championship, two teams and a playoff from League One, and two teams and a playoff from League Three, because not only will we get the, the two people that finish top get their pr- promotion deservedly, I think that the, the English game's got that bang on, create the, a bit of the excitement around the playoffs and still keep that. Absolutely. And yet another new segment this week, which we've aptly called Did You Aye, to tip our cap to Kevin Bridges. And we'll look at some of the craziest signings in Scottish football this week. So for those of you on Twitter, you'll see that Laurent Robert, formerly of Newcastle in France, son signed for, wait for it, Airdrie admits interest from Bundesliga and League One. So mm. he either A, has world's best agent that's spouting it off that absolute bile, was I'm sorry, but if you've got the chance to play at the Allianz Arena or you've got the chance to play at the Shybury Excelsior, I know which one that I'll be looking to play at every week. Yeah. Um, I, I can't see that one being even remotely true. Um, we've spoke about Greg Wilde going to East Stirling, which is bonkers. We've got former Motherwell player Darren Smith joined East, um, East Kilbride. I mean, they're splashing the cast again. Paul Payton, Kyle Wilkie, Lewis Kidd and Chris Erskine there already. Looks like Queen's Park are going to be throwing their money about, like you've mentioned. So it's absolute madness. I mean, yeah. we've mentioned before already, looking at Darville um, with Ross Perry from Rangers going there. I actually look at Twitter these days and shake my head, Callum Higginbotham going to Kelly and I'm like, you know, these are players that should be playing league football. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, you've got the uh, the, the Salford, the Scotland Kelly and all these sort of teams, you know, 
Phoenix clubs pretty much rising from the ashes of the lower leagues, spending big money. And, you know, one part of me wants to say, you know, fair play to you, you know, you're making stake out of mince, but at the same time, you're questioning the the desire of the players dropping that lower down. But it wasn't until I spoke to a friend and colleague of mine today, and he made the point about, well, if you're a lower league player and you can make the same amount of money as you are at league football, playing teams that are really a lot more local instead of going all over the country, why would you? Mm. Yeah, you, you get home at a decent time at night to your family or if you're a young lad to go out for the night or whatever. And I think we're going to see a lot more of that in the West, especially with this new league that's starting. And money's always been in the West in the junior game and especially in, in Ayrshire as well. I mean, you look at those guys that play in Ayrshire in the junior football, it's like they spend their whole lives there because they're playing local teams. They're home at a decent time. The rivalry is intense. So I get it in that regard. I just, I just don't get it in regards of there's no money to really be made in Scottish football right now, it appears. So why are all these teams investing so heavily in, in players? I, I just, that aspect of it is what I don't get. I think for me, like you say, I think that Darville money is coming from Brown and the Bakers, but where is the rest of these guys' money coming from? And are the SFA looking into where this money is coming from? Is it all legitimate? You know, couldn't we have our own version of financial fair play to make sure that there's not any dodgy dealings going on here? Because, you know, if if you've got a club like East Fife or Albion Rovers or any of these sort of clubs that are trying to make their way in the game honestly, and then you've got other clubs that are just peeing their money against the wall and it's all coming from rich sugar daddies, then it doesn't really make for a level playing field. Yeah, but the whole rich sugar daddies thing, it's like, what what is it that they're getting out of it? Some of them, maybe they've loved a, a club forever, like in all these clubs. I mean, East Kilbride's new. You've got Kelty that's not new, but they've not probably had folk that's been in love with them. East Stirling, maybe there's somebody at East Stirling that loved the club back in the day, has money now, wants to get them back to where they belong. But on the most part, is it that they're doing it for an ego trip? Are they doing it for the perks of having a blazer? I just, I just genuinely can't understand why someone would invest heavily in the Scottish game at this moment in time with everything that's happening. My thought, thoughts have always been on it. That it, I don't know if you've ever watched Ozark before, um, and it's going to be like some sort of crazy cash investment scheme that you can get away with. So who knows? The only people that know are the people behind it. Yeah. It's, but for clubs like East Fife as well, I hope it's not going to get to the points in the lower leagues which you've already seen it non-league in England, in the, the top league, the National League. It's a it's a them and us thing. The only clubs that's going to get promoted to the Football League are the ones that's bankrolled so heavily. And then you've got all these other clubs that just can't compete. And they even if they get promoted, they're back down again the next year. And I just hope it's not going to be like that in Scottish football. If it is, the next ten in 10 years' time, if you look at the Scottish League table, there's going to be a lot of clubs currently in it that's not going to be in the Scottish League. Yeah. The only thing that I could think of that would make more sense to do would be to just add a fourth lane, a fifth tier, sorry, mm. to the, the game rather than having the Lowland League and the Highland League. Let's just make a, you know, a bigger league to, to go below the third and then it could be a little bit more organic. But well, I mean, I'm even really in, sure. the, in the Highland League just now, there's a lot of those clubs would have no ambition of going into the football league, 
because they'll be like, well, we, we travel local. Why do we want to suddenly play Strindrar or go down to Annan? No thanks. But then you've got the odd couple of clubs that's going to be ambitious and want to go up, like Cove, like Brora. So again, that's creating a kind of them and us situation in the Highland League, where you've got a couple of teams walking away with it. Teams like Fort William that's just there for the, the shit and giggles, it kind of looks like. I know they want to win, but obviously it's not. And then you've got the Lowland League that's just a mishmash of everything. Because when the Lowland League started, if you'd said to me all these years later with this promotion relegation thing that Spartan still would not be in the Football League by this point and are actually maybe the fifth or sixth best team in that division right now, I'd be like, what? What the hell has happened? Yeah, I mean, Spartans were always one of those teams that you, you were kind of hoping the East Fife wouldn't go in the cup because you knew that it would give them a run for their money. But now yeah. you're looking at all these other teams saying, you know, we don't really want to be drawing any of them, you know, the BSC Glasgow's or any of these sort of teams at all. So I don't know. I think that we've said before that Scottish football needs ripped up and started again. And I think that in a future episode, but you and I have talked about it, you know, we're thinking about doing a, a round table of we fix Scottish football episodes. So hoping to, to bring that to you in the near future. But yeah, I've got loads of ideas, whether any of them people would agree with or not. I think I'll stay there. I'll sit on the fence just now until that episode comes out. Yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to that one. Of course, the thing that would cure Scottish football altogether is free chocolate digestives for all. That is my campaign pledge that I would be standing for if I was running for SFA committees. But let's find out now if a former East Fife legend, Dev Muir, fancies a chocolate digestive. You're sitting at home. Now, your tastes may have changed now that that you're Canadian, but if you decide to have a hot beverage, would you have a tea? A coffee, maybe a green tea, since you're living the Canadian lifestyle now, or, or something else? Uh, definitely a coffee. And are you a biscuit fan? I am a biscuit fan, yes. What kind of biscuits are you eating out in Kingston? So, if we've got biscuits, we do have the digestives, but unfortunately, the missus does they buy the McVitie's. Oh, she folk here like, don't. I don't no, understand she it. buys the, it's dares. I don't know if you get dares over there. They're, they're rank. No, but they, they do get the McVitie's, but you got to pay a wee bit extra, so... Go to Walmart. At least Walmart out here, they're like... Walmart have them for like two ninety nine. Right. I'll have to go on that. No, I do enjoy a, a McVitie's and my tea, nor my coffee, though, obviously. And do you dunk? 100%. Fantastic. You got what you always wanted. I know. Somebody said a digest. <laughs> oh, I, I, don't, I don't know why you would dunk anything else, though. My wife likes rich tea. No. So I've got to buy those just because she likes them. I didn't like them before, but I've kind of, they've kind of grown on me. Yeah, like it's, she not, it's, not, it's not a bad biscuit, but a chocolate digi. Come on. Aye. She doesn't like digestive. She doesn't like football. I don't know why I married her. Really. <laughs> I actually took her to two East Fife games. One was at East Stirling. And that was the... F- I had just... She had just come... I'd met her when she, I was on holiday in Canada. So then she came over to Scotland and she was deciding whether she wanted to move over or not. So I thought, I'll take her to an East Stirling game against these five. That'll, that'll make her want to go and move over. That'll, that'll get her on your side, right? East Fife so, against East Stirling. All the gravel was blown in her eyes. And then she said, 
this is like watching my high school team because it was a really shit game. So then I thought, I'll take her to Elgin away. That'll that'll make her want to come. Fuck's sake. She sat at the back of the terracing reading a book during the game. You're still married, right? Aye. <laughs> you took her to Easterlin and Elgin City. Aye. Brilliant. <laughs> Anyone fancy a chocolate I just so that was Div Mew there. Not able to get Chocolate Digestive seat he was thinking over in Canada, but I've put him onto the right track, so hopefully he will now. So for this part of the show, we're going to turn our attention to world football, and there's been a, a couple of interesting stories in world football that we wanted to touch on just in this episode. First one does affect East Fife, potentially. IFAB, the five sub rule, is now going to be allowed throughout the 2021 season. Big question is, is it going to be a permanent feature? And if it is, are the big clubs just going to use this to get stronger by stacking their squads even more? Yeah, I'm concerned about that. I think that the three sub rule, I mean, for as long as I've watched football, has is, is been, been the main one. I'm concerned that, you know, the likes of the Man Cities and the, the Chelsea's, the Liverpool's, the Man United's of this world, certainly in the Premier League, will just be able to bully teams by, you know, bankrolling, having superstars on their bench. So yeah. I think it allows for more changes to be made in the first half. So if something's not going right, they could afford to take the risk to change something tactically right away. Whereas I think that with the three subs, you, you do see teams sort of being a little bit more cautious. And I think that that leads, means for a, a more exciting game. But time will tell. I mean, I think that, you know, it's, it's not really massively affected the Premier League just now. But when teams are planning their into using a, a, a over the pond colloquialism stacking the roster and um, we'll just need to to wait and see how that looks yeah i mean it doesn't necessarily mean that teams have to use their five subs either a good example of that was vancouver whitecaps in their first mls game back on wednesday night they've had so many players that's now out with injury and stuff that their whole bench was homegrown guys between the ages of 18 and 21 so they only used a couple of, of subs because the, the depth wasn't there. You don't want to throw guys in when they're not ready. But if this lets young guys get experience, I'm all for it. I was having a debate on my Canadian Twitter about that yesterday. I I, I thought it would be good to mandate that maybe young peop, young players had to be part of the five subs. But then someone pointed out quite rightly, well, in that case, clubs will just not start their young guys. They'll just keep them on the bench. I was like, yeah, you know what? That is what some clubs would just do. I don't know how you get around it. I think it makes sense just now because football's still all up in the air and we don't know if there's going to be second waves of the virus and all this kind of stuff, but we'll see what happens with that. Something, though, that does look like it's going ahead, sadly, is the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. This week, FIFA announced the kickoff times for the 2022 World Cup. Ah, and it's going to be busy, busy, busy days with four matches a day during the group stages for 12 straight days, starting on Monday, November the 21st, to Friday, December 2nd. There's only going to be six rest days in, in the whole tournament during the, the knockout stages as well. And that's going to be from Saturday, December 3rd, to the final on December 18th. It's a gruelling schedule. 
is there a case, I know you're not a big fan of, of extended World Cups, so God knows what it's going to be like from 2026 onwards, but four matches a day is a bit excessive for getting fans to watch that. Yeah, to be honest, I, I feel that's, it actually even annoys me to talk about the Qatar World Cup because it's so farcical. Um, you know, it's complete fantasy island playing a game in the middle of a bloody desert. So, you know, I, the people that I feel for more than anything are, are the fans and the players who are going to have to go over there, um, sit in that blistering heat, watching games, players trying to play in that, you know. How, how can a team, you know, theoretically we get there like Scotland, you know, climatised to that sort oh. of heat and playing in that? Yeah. It's going to be an absolute nightmare. Will I watch it? Of course I'll watch it because yeah. I'm a sucker for anything football on the TV. But I, I have to say, I'm, I'm not looking forward to it. I mean, the kickoff times in the UK are obviously 10, 1, 4 and 7. Yeah, great. And, um, yeah. Not for but me. But if, <laughs> if you're in Canada land, it's 2, 5, 8 and 11. Yeah, um, in the morning. 2, 5, 8 and 11. Yeah, and that's Ian. So... Yeah, I hope oh. that you're not going to have to be the, the resident commentator on, on any of those games, Michael, because then the, the podcast might take a bit of a knock in the head during that. Like, I'll, I'll PVR the games. I don't know if that's, if that's Sky Plus, I guess, is what it is over there. So it's like, yeah. I'll, I'd PVR them, but the danger then is, it's like, the result gets spoiled. So I, I'd get up maybe for the 8am game and then the 11am game, but there's no way you're then going to avoid what's happened in, in the 2 and the 5 games. So there's that. The local kickoff times in Doha is like 1 p.m. in the afternoon. It's like, what? Then 4 p.m., 7 p.m., and 10 p.m. Obviously, they can't play through the night. And you might think a 10 p.m. start is like a stupid time to kick games off. The MLS tournament that's in Florida just now, they've got games kicking off at 10.30 one of those 10.30 games the other day got postponed by a thunderstorm, so it kicked off at 11.20 at night. And it was two teams in the Eastern Conference as well. So for all their fans, it was 11.20 at night, and they're watching a game till after 1am. It's just, like, ridiculous. They've got three games on a day as well, which, it's too much. It's, like, three games is... I know we've had it before in the World Cups. Four, I feel, is way too much. But the other thing in Orlando is because you've you've been to Orlando, yeah. You went and did you go in the heat of the summer, like June, July? Yeah, yeah. So you'll know five minutes walking in that, and you're dead. Yes. Yeah. So they're the playing. Is unreal. Yeah, they're playing games, and because of the humidity, the games are starting at either nine a.m., which is six a.m. out here, or eight p.m., ten thirty at night, with nothing in between. But even those games, it's like the players within five minutes are drenched. So I dread to think what it's going to be like when it's maybe 10, 15, 20 degrees more humidity in Qatar. Because I'm watching this and I'm speaking to players and they're like, it's terrible. And then the other stupid thing is in the MLS tournament, and I could see this happening in the World Cup as well, the kickoff times, we've got the Whitecaps are playing one game at 9pm Orlando time. One game at 10.30pm Orlando time. And then three days later, they've got a game at 9am. So you've got to adjust your whole body clock to try and, and get into that. Football's just gone nuts. It's all just there for TV. Yeah, I mean, being, I've been to Florida a few times, but, you know, walking through the theme parks, you're literally like, 
you know, even just walking between the car park and the entrance of the theme park, you're saturated and you're like, right, okay, we'll go queue for the water ride first so you get a chance to yeah. cool down. And, you know, they've got like the big fans that spray like the sort of cool mist on you. And everything's like a, a short dash to the next one of those. And I mean, for, even, even for the fans sitting watching that, yeah. it'd be horrendous. Apparently the conditions in Qatar, there's going to be air conditioning in the stadium. But that's fine while you're in the stadium. You have to get to and from the stadium with thousands of people taking however knows how long. I genuinely, my, I couldn't do that. I think I would probably die. Not exaggerating, I just, I struggle in the heat. I, I've had heat stroke here when it was only in the kind of low 30s. But even with that, I was like really struggling with it. Yeah, I mean, I hope all aspects of like even public transport and all that sort of stuff are looked at. I've been to Dubai before, and in Dubai, it was horrendous, the heat. Probably a lot worse in Florida. I'd say it's a lot more dry heat. I mean, at least in Florida, every now and then it would rain a little bit and cool you down. But, you know, you're, you're in the middle of a, of a desert, and it's, it, there's no shelter from that sun at all. It's unforgiving. So I would hope that all these things are brought into the thought process. But the other thing is, is um, it's obviously the United Arab Emirates is a, a pretty strict country and, and how's that going to yeah. look for couples going over there? You know, if you're a couple, you're going to be able to hold your missus hand, you, you know, because I mean, we went uh, to Dubai as part of our honeymoon and we weren't even allowed to hold each other's hands. Really? You know, we weren't allowed, yeah, not allowed to do any sign of affection in public. Women had to, um, Rachel had to wear a shawl over her all the time, so we weren't allowed to show your shoulders. Um, can't have a drink there unless it's in a hotel. So how are the, the likes of the English football fans going to do uh, if it's going to be a dry state over there or are they going to change the rules temporarily to allow them to drink? And I'll tell you one thing, I wouldn't like to be shown uh, thrown in an Arab prison. No. Not a chance. No. Um, so, yeah, I think that, you know, Seth Blatter obviously got his, his nice cushy handshake for, for um, picking Qatar out of the hat for that one. So, We'll just have to wait and see, but I just think that it's an accident waiting to happen. Oh, it is. And you look at the teams it's going to favour as well. Like If Scotland were to qualify, as you say, how the hell do we play in, in those conditions? Going back to this MLS tournament, Orlando City, they're in the MLS. They've been shit. They've hardly won any games for the last couple of seasons. They're having a great time because they're used to the conditions and they've won both their matches so far. So it's stuff like that. I mean, Qatar will probably go and win it. That's how stupid it's going to be with all the Brazilians that got Qatari passports. Yeah. And again, the less, the less said about that nonsense, yeah. the, the better. Yeah. Let, let's move on to happier things. And this week's wavelength. Yep, another little musical break. And this week's song is by a band that a certain section of the East Five support, the Burger Crew, certainly took to their heart. Half Man, Half Biscuit. Favourite band of mine, they've got loads of football songs and we'll be bringing you those over the, the coming months. And I thought I'd start off with one of their more famous ones because of something we're going to talk about after it. And it touches on things like Subutio and like childhood memories of people my age. And it's their iconic song. All I want for Christmas is a Dukla Praga Wake It. <laughs>
red scale electric and because of that he thought he was better than you every day after school you'd go round there to play it hoping to compete for some kind of championship but it always took about 15 billion hours to set the track up and even when you did the thing never seemed to work Dodgy Transformer, again and again A Dodgy Transformer, again and again It was a Dodgy Transformer, again and again A Dodgy Transformer, that cost £3.10 So he'd send his doting mother Up the stairs with the stepladders To get the Subutio out of the loft had all the accessories required for that big match atmosphere The crowd and the dugout and the floodlights too You'd always get palmed off with a headless centre forward And a goalkeeper with no arms and a face like his Managed to get hold of a Duke of Braga wake it Cos his uncle owned a sports shop and he kept it to one side And after only five minutes you'd be down to ten men Cos he'd sent off your right back for taking the base from under his left winger And come to half time you were losing 4-0 Each and every goal a hotly disputed penalty So he'd smash up the floodlights and the match was abandoned And the dog would bark and you'd be banned from his house and your travelling army of synthetic supporters would be taken away from you and thrown in the bin. Half man, half biscuit there with their iconic All I Want for Christmas is a Duke La Praga Away kit. And that is a, an item of clothing that a couple of times over the years I've added to a basket in a shop to buy, like online. And then I've thought, why am I doing this? I'm only buying it because of the song. It's stupid. It's costing me £60. No. But I, at one point, I am going to get it. And I know Stuart Patterson, I, I think Stuart Patterson actually owns one of those. But Half Man, Half Biscuit, a great band, lots of great football tunes. And have you ever yearned for a Dukla Prague away kit? No, but I did buy some Joy Division loving gloves. I tried to find them. Where did you get them? No, I'm, I'm only kidding. Oh. I'm only kidding. <laughs> I genuinely searched for those. Oh, you had me there. I was like, oh, yes. 
<laughs> Sorry, mate, that was hook, line and sinker. For those of you that don't know, um, as a, another popular Half Man, Half Biscuit song, I really would encourage you to go and listen to Half Man, Half Biscuit. I was introduced to that by the Burger Crew. For, again, for those of you who don't know who the Burger Crew are, um, this was a, a name that was derived from the fact when I was 16, I worked at McDonald's and the, the boys took great pleasure in uh, ribbing me for that. So um, they came up with the name the Burger Crew because we all used to all commute to our games by train. So Burger stood for Bayview Ultras, Rail Group Eastern Region. Um, I believe that it was Stuart Patterson who the aforementioned to who came up with that one. Um, they've got some absolutely brilliant songs. And, you know, for those of you that remember the times on the terrace, time flies by when you're the driver, driver off a train. Yes. Infamously as a, a Half Man Half Biscuit song. So the reason I, I picked that song this week is I'd stuck a tweet out there just wanting to know what items of football memorabilia people had. Maybe it was a Dukla Prague away kit. I was also, and I've talked about this in previous shows, I'd love to know who has what items from Old Bayview. And what I've got, I'm just looking at, at my wall just now, I've got the home and visiting plaques that were on the dressing rooms from Old Bayview in black and gold. And I've got a no smoking sign from the old stand, which I did not get. But someone, a Meadowbank Thistle fan was at the last game and had got it and then anonymously sent it to me saying, you should probably have this. I'm a Meadowbank Thistle fan, but I took it, but it should go to a Nice Fife fan. And he sent it to me. And so I've got that actually on my wall in my bedroom where we're recording this. And then in between those two things, I've got... They, they brought out limited edition mirrors. I think there was only a hundred. And I didn't buy one at the time. It was off Bayview from... It's got it's like engraved, it's like etched, and it's got Bayview. I'll, I'll take a picture and tweet it out for those that haven't seen it. And there was only a hundred. I didn't buy one. And when I was moving to Canada, I said that was my biggest regret. I didn't have it. I'd love to buy one. And John Ross, Roscoe, they used to do the programme and stuff. He said, I actually have two and sold me one, and it's got pride of place in my, what I call my sports room. It's basically just my spare room, but I like to call it my sports room. What about yourself? What's your most cherished bits of football memorabilia? I know we've been asking the players this as well. Yeah, I mean, mine's is probably my, my Dev Muir jersey. Um, I have some uh, re- retro programmes, which was actually given to me by Lynn Donaldson, Ewan Donaldson's wife, um, when Ewan left East Fife. Um, I've, I got Ewan Donaldson's shirt when he left. Um, from the game that we won promotion in. Um, I've also got a signed kit that you guys all got me for my 18th birthday. Um, I also got another signed kit, which I won in a raffle. Um, so the signed footballs, the lot. So um, they're all up in my, my loft now, unfortunately. When the, the little one came along, I had to, to tidy it all away. But um, I've, I've actually been collating some of the, the, the responses, Michael, to the the memorabilia thing from the, the social networks since you're old and can't really work them. So we've gone for, um, the first one that was sent to us was by Phil Charletta and Phil sent us a, a photo of his East Fife versus Aberdeen Teletext Cup, which was pretty cool. Um, Mike Gill um, has signs from the, the turnstiles at Bayview. Um, Michael Sullivan, who I mentioned earlier, um, Michael Sullivan has got an East Fife versus Man United autographed program from the Jimmy Bonthron testimonial. We've got Grant Easton, who's got the main office sign from the Old Bayview. We've got Tom Aitken. Yeah. Tom Aitken's got the cup final replay versus Kelly program, which I would love to see. So, Tom, if you've got that and want to send us some photos of that, that would be amazing. Um, We've got Methyl Major. I don't know what your real name is, but you follow us on Twitter. Um, He's got a signed East 5 strip that he got in a raffle. 
Um, the absolute legend that is Blair from Gunner Designs. Um, he's got Paul McManus's league medal. Um, yeah, from, I was like, whoa. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I was very, very jealous of that. And he's also got a signed photo. I don't know if you've seen that as well from the 40s team. So like Philip Finlay and Aitken, um, which I think will be probably worth a fortune. And yeah. Scott Young um, has got the, the number 19 shirt from the game that we beat Aberdeen at. So if anybody knows who was wearing the shirt that day, let us know. I've got three signed these five balls from, from various seasons. Anyone, let us know what you've got, especially stuff from Old Bayview. Leona must have a, a few good things from Old Bayview. We should get in touch with her. She, yeah, she's Leona listens to the Bayview. show. Yeah, she's yeah. from Old Bayview. <laughs> no, Leona, I will love you. Don't worry. And if, yeah, if you, you're bound to have some good stuff or even some good stories. We want to hear from you, actually, Leona. Michael and I were talking about that recently. Yeah. I would like to get you on the show. So when you hear this one, get in touch. Let's, let's see if you'd be interested in coming on. And same with Caroline, too. I'd love to get Caroline on because, again, she's nuttier than squirrel shit so um, yeah. uh, might I'm might sure have to lower the mic levels for that one most definitely so we also have had a new submission for an all time 11 this week Michael and again you, if you're wanting anybody to, to submit as yours so again going back to Phil Charletta so somebody from a more modern era so he's gone four four two. he's went Scott Fox and goals so that's a good shout then he's went for a back four of Mercer. So that's Scott Mercer, Jason Kerr. He's went for um, Higgy, uh, Chris Higgins, and Matthew Park. Um, I don't know if you remember Matthew Park that played for us a bit. Yeah. Um, he was a good player. Um, of course, he's went for Bobby Lynn. Neil Jablonski, um, which was oh, a blast from Jabba. the past. Yeah. Jabba, yeah. Who stood out in an absolutely garbage team at that yeah. point, by the way. Um, he's went for Div Muir and Bobby Barr. And his front two, he's went for Kenny Joker and he's put Fash in brackets, your pal. Uh, that's a good team. That would be a team. That's a promotion winning team. Yeah, I would say so. One of the names that Phil actually said, is like, oh, I forgot Julian X, however you say it. So I'm actually surprised to see a lot more these five fans having picked him in their team because he was an absolute Rolls Royce player but I think because mm. he was only with us for such a short stint in an absolutely crazy season um, he, he maybe doesn't get quite the recognition he deserves but there you go thanks Phil for that one um, that was a, a great team and final section Michael um, was one that we touched on a few weeks ago um, was the tweets about the teams that you love to hate yes. so I'm going to give you the first shout at this one then I'll pick mine and I'm not going to say Kelly because everybody knows Kilmarnock is a team that I always hated, stemming back from an incident in, oh, I want to say 89, 90, 91, one of those years when Kilmarnock had dropped all the way down to East Fife's league. We were playing them. East Fife were winning. It was late in a match at Bayview. It was a bitterly cold day, one of the coldest days of football. And Kilmarnock got the, the game abandoned because players were suffering from hypothermia and the outrage because there was hardly any time to go I think it was just like 10 minutes or something it was like insane thankfully East Five did win the replay game but after that I always kind of hated Kilmarnock obviously we'll, we'll leave the old firm out of it but another team that I've never really liked that much there's a few, like in England, I've always hated Leeds United and I don't really know why. And I've always wanted them never to get back to the Premier, but that looks like out the window now. But what about yourself? 
Oh, the list could go on for me. I seem to be filled mm. with random hatred for teams. Like people keep messaging me, obviously, about Kelly, but I think I've said enough about them. So I've got a few. I've got a few. So I'm going to start off with naturally the Rovers. Oh yeah, um, I I just took for granted all the five teams. Yeah, Cowdenbeath yeah, in particular. No, nah, see, I think that depends what generation you're from. You know. Mm-hmm. The Rovers, I grew up with so many Rovers fans and so many of my friends are Rovers fans. Like, ah, you've never seen your team in the League Cup. We've seen them. And then I'll go back with, oh, yeah, but we've won more cups than you. But yeah, in your lifetime, though. And it just, yeah, uh, I hate that whole argument. So probably the Rovers are, are up there, um, along with Albion Rovers. Now, Albion, for me, you go there, it's an absolute cowpaw ground to start. You know, and again, we've spoken about this before, but it's, it's, it's of vital importance that you get a good pie at a ground. You never have a oh, good pie at Albion yes. I know where you're absolutely, going with this. <laughs> absolutely brutal. Um, go for a pee and you've got more chance of yeah, getting stabbed or anything than being able to find a facility to wash your hands properly. Yeah. Um, even the entrance to the ground uh, via the social club, it's just, do you want to know what that, that whole ground just needs to be bulldozed? That is an absolute... Yeah abomination um, of a ground, definitely. Um, in terms of other teams, you know, uh, uh, there's teams that I, I don't like and I don't really have any justification for it. So Air United, just cause. Um, and they're a team that see when they get beat, you're like, yeah, I'm glad they got beat. Definitely. Um, and Dundee, um, purely because a guy that I used to work with that I can't stand is a Dundee fan. Um, and every time they get beat, they've lost because I knew that I know that it'll be peed off. So yeah, there's there's a few of mine, and there'll probably more as the the season goes on as well. Oh, that's a great reason. Yeah, I mean, there's there's always little things that happen. Like for Queens Park, there was a while I hated Queens Park just because of some incidents we had when we went through to watch them at Hamden, just in the stands oh, yeah. with our fans and getting some of the guys getting kicked out. We won't go into that too much, but but anyway. <laughs> But yeah, it's I, I remember like that. that instant. Yeah, I remember that instant badly. Yeah, um, yeah. Another one was um, from a, my dad who will be listening to this. Uh, Montrose. I wonder if my dad uh, hates Montrose. Let's just I, say there was an incident where I Stuart vaguely, and Montrose. I vaguely remember a, something. A, a, a geriatric Stuart at Montrose, um, and that my dad didn't take too well to. So, mm. yeah, we'll leave it at that because he'll be sitting here listening to this because he listens every week and he'll be cringing like mad. Don't think you were getting away with that one, Dad. Yeah, let's let's find out what your dad, what teams he hates. But yeah, let us know if you've got an irrational hatred for a team. We want to know why. You might not even know why, but if, if it's just a team that you detest and keep tr- let's keep away from the Rangers Celtic stuff and we know that everyone hates our local rival so if there's a team outside of those teams that you really hate let us know definitely want to know why but that's pretty much it for for this week's show Lee it's been a, another jam-packed show I've really really enjoyed it just before we go have a reminder of who the sponsors are and where they can find you on social media yeah, so again, big thank you to Scott Young and John Scott Neal, um, who were our sponsors for this episode. And as always, a big thank you to, to Kevin Oswald at KJK Installations for the um, for being our main sponsor. So thanks again, Kevin. And if you're looking for any joinery work done, be sure to search Kevin on KJK Installations at Facebook and also on Twitter too. 
One quick reminder that we do have one T-shirt left in large to sell, so I'd like to get them all finished off um, should should you need them. And if you need to go up a T-shirt size due to, pock, uh, to post-lockdown, then let us know. We could sort you out with a T-shirt. Um, on social media, you can find me on Twitter at LeeG1903, um, on Facebook by searching Lee Gillis. A few of you added me this week, so that's great. Thanks very much. Of course, you can find the podcast on all social medias. Um, so Facebook, Glory Days of Gold. Twitter, at Glory Days of Gold. Instagram, Glory Days of Gold. And also our YouTube channel, which we're looking to bring up, which is also Glory Days of Gold. Yep, we're going to put some select clips up on that YouTube channel. I, I'm hoping by the end of next week, we'll have some stuff up on that. It's just been super busy out here for me doing all the MLS stuff with it being back. If you've any interest in, in MLS or North American soccer, check out AFTN.ca. Give me a follow on Twitter at AFTN Canada. For all the East Fife and Scottish stuff, you can get me on Twitter at AFTN website and, of course, AFTN.co.uk. One thing which we, we did this week on our Canadian AFTN is we had our very first ever live YouTube post-game show. And that might be something that, that Lee and me might look to do if... We're not in the stadium and we're just watching the games on stream. We might look to do that on a Saturday after the matches. So if that's something that interests you, let us know. If it's not something you're really going to watch, there's no point us doing it live. We can just record a show and bring it out as a podcast. But if you think you would watch it, we're genuinely curious to know. But that's where you can find me. That's where you can find Lee. Thanks as always for listening to all our sponsors, to everyone that's bought a t-shirt, for Bobby Lynn for a fantastic chat. We'll be back next week with another great show. But until then, thanks for listening. Take care and mourn the fife. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.